Let me tell you a story about the darkest parts of nature, in the deepest caverns of our world, and among the fathomless spaces betwixt the stars themselves. A tale in which your mind may be peeled away by another's evil intent. A record fraught with creatures that can know only sadness and anger, who crave dominion over all others. Psionic scions of brutal and malicious origins, let me tell you of their gruesome slaveries, twisted experiments, and unsettling coordination. Let me tell you about the Mind Flayers. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Dungeons and & Dragons and the lore that surrounds them. Hey there, creatures, welcome to another episode of Encounter This. I am your co-host, James, the Hive Mind Kid, and with me as always is Freeman, Tentacle in Chic, Ice Tent. Today we're going to be taking a look at the Illithid family, found in the Monster Manual on page 222. 1 to 222 and Volo's Guide to Monsters 171 to 175 and I think this is the first time we've ever broken up an episode across two books. Uh yeah, that sounds about right. For sure. Uh absolutely insane. Yeah. This is going to be a big one. For those of you who are familiar with Mind Flayers, they are they run D and deep. <laughs> Pause for laughter. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who God aren't familiar with, with the Illithids, I think you're going to get a big kick out of this. It's really going to put your brain to work this episode. Oh my god, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> and for our, for our Patreon subscribers, we have a sort of sister episode uh, that's uh, relatively connected to this one. Uh, we'll touch on the, the necessities uh, for all of you casual listeners as we go right uh but the and that will be available for all of our donors from the five dollar tier and up yeah yeah uh and uh, I'll, I'll be posting a, a lot of artwork on instagram over the next little bit uh that complements both episodes uh and um we will start with uh the pronunciation you, you got it uh bang on uh we were talking about it earlier it is elithids uh, with an emphasis on the second syllable. Uh, I've been calling them illithids for a long time. Uh, I've put, putting a lot of effort I've into like, making I've never sure. thought about how I pronounced it. Yeah, I've always called them illithids, and uh, they are illithids. And this comes from, uh, <laughs> you were questioning me on it earlier, and it's it's spelled out in, as if it were a pronunciation guide, and it's a pronunciation guide that's literally the title of an article from Dragon oh. Magazine number 93 from TSR Inc. from a while back. Uh, and it, it covered a lot of things. So you go on the Forgotten Realms wiki, almost every time in my experience that you see an actual pronunciation guide uh, in the top, like next to the article you're looking at, if you mess up with a res- reference number, it, it usually references this article, uh, or at least a lot of the time it does. It's literally called a pronunciation guide. I'm, I'm opening it up now, but I think we might have the, uh, the Dragon Magazine Illithid article. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we do. It's, uh, it's, we, we, a while back we bought the Paizo Dragon Magazine, uh, Monster Ecologies book. Oh, and we oh have, yeah. 
We have access to Mysterious Evolution, the m- the mind flares of D&D. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, it's a little bit hard for Freeman to take a look at it while he's researching it when he uh, lives across the city and we are still in quarantine. For sure. But <laughs> Apparently we own the tangible version of this. <laughs> we do. When we can pay for it, creatures, we do. <laughs> we will. We do, yeah. <laughs> um. Well, uh, this episode was requested by, remind me again, one of Oh, this is requested by, yeah, a good buddy of mine, uh, Josh. We've been friends for, it feels like ever. He's, he's like family. He is, he goes by General Ham Solo on all the platforms because nice. he is the <laughs> biggest Star Wars nerd I've ever met. Amazing. Have um, I ever met him in, in person? Uh, I don't know if you did. I think he okay. might have moved away like the week you moved here. Oh, no shit. Okay. Yeah. Lost one, picked one up. Uh, if you met him, he worked at Stable House for a couple of days. So. Oh, uh, yeah. Probably not then. Yeah, I don't think he did. Uh, but regardless, uh, the, uh, he, I think he, he did request this episode. Uh, I think he requested Mind Flares. This episode is specifically called Elithids, uh, as opposed to being called Mind Flares for a particular reason. And it is because elithids is actually an undercommon word for mind flayers or mind rulers. Uh, is it like a slur? No, it's a it's a it's a translation. Mind flayers oh, okay. is the common uh, speech translation of of what they are known as in their common uh, sort of space, if you will, in the okay. in the in the underdark. Gotcha. Yeah, in the underdark of forgotten realms. Uh, and I, th- I mean, the underdark is specifically on Faerun. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yeah. And or under under common is is like a trade language of the underdark. Mm-hmm. I think it's like an amalgam language. Right. Yeah. So it's it's shared um, by many many creatures that live in the underdark or under, under the surface of the world. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, I was just doing some research on that today, actually. Oh yeah, sweet. What, what a quinky dink. Um, so elithids is. Uh, is the sort of more specific and accurate or more commonly used term, if you will, uh, for them in, in the area in which they live. Um, uh, so again, it means mind, it does mean mind flayers when it's translated or mind rulers. Okay. Uh, that's, that's a very, very different translation. Flayer to ruler. So yeah, yeah, fl- flayers and rulers. Yeah, it's uh, they, they seem quite different. Um, that being said, uh, also, we'll, and we'll get definitely get into it. The elithids and these mind flayers, as we'll, we'll certainly call them, um, mostly as we go, um, are slavers for sure. So ruling and flaying, uh, they can almost be synonymous in the way they operate. Uh, because what does flaying actually mean? Well, flaying is like peeling. It's like it's like you fl- flayed skin. You know, like you you yeah. peel away layers uh, of something and strip okay. it That's off. That's what I thought it yeah. meant. And it's probably yeah. it's certainly more. Uh, I would especially in the enslavement sense. I guess fucking uh, uh, sensitivity warning here. Like this is, these guys are dark, right? Uh, and it's probably more a bit more metaphorical in that sense. Uh, but also it, it, to a degree. Uh, it doesn't get a bit more physical uh, in the consumption area of of uh, of, of uh, mines, but um, yeah. Okay, forewarning <laughs> before this happens, uh, this is going to be a dark episode, oh. like you said. Uh-huh, Here, yeah. th- this is your content warning, listeners. These guys are 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 brutal, um, 
and they are nasty and <laughs> like like James said, they get D and deep. I can't believe you said that. That is <laughs> I want to say that was off the cuff, are but I'm sure dad? I heard that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, my very next note, uh, note number three on these guys is uh, that they are sadistic, evil, and feared by sentient creatures across many realms throughout the multiverse. They are awful. And they possess an innate psionic power that they use to seek and expand their domination and dominion through mind control, turning others into hopeless slaves and devouring their brains for sustenance. They are deep dwellers and live in places like the Underdark, where the psionic powers have garnered respect from other creatures like drow, duragar, and even beholders. And that is your... Are beholders intelligent? Yes! They're okay. so intelligent. Morden... Uh, not Morden Cannon. Uh, Volo. No, not Volo. Somebody is a beholder. <laughs> I can't remember his <laughs> Xanathar. name. Xanathar. Xanathar, fuck's sake. <laughs> Xanathar is a beholder, and he, like, he leads... A massive underground dark society in in Waterdeep. Yeah, they're okay. They're extremely intelligent and and manipulative. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever put that together because my first encounter with the Beholder is the creature from Doom. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not not the same. <laughs> no, yeah. not even a little bit. Um. So that that's your that's your like sort of quick peek uh, into into what elithids and mind flayers sort of are uh and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty and we're going to start with the origins of and before uh, you get into that i just i have one question right off the top sure um because i I think i i know the answer to this but i i like i like this question right at the beginning um are these going to be a campaign villain or are these like a like an arc villain uh they have very much have the potential of being both. Um, mind flayer specifically, as an individual mind flayer, uh, more likely an arc villain. Okay, but potentially uh, uh, a main a main BBEG big bad evil guy. Um, it honestly it depends on the circumstance of whether or not they are involved in a colony of mind flayers or an enclave of them or if they're independent, and we will dive into that 100%. Perfect. What the difference in those are. Uh, That's the kind of foreshadowing that makes my short shorter. <laughs> it's, it is, uh, they're, they're intense, man. Uh, the way they are constructed, like, especially now in the present of the Forgotten Realms or 5e universe uh, versus how they used to act and how they try to, uh, how they sometimes, like, sort of change now or, like, uh, sort of rebel against. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Uh, but we'll, right, we'll definitely dive into that. Let's, let's dig into it. Yeah. Uh, so, as far as the origins go, uh, uh, the it is very much believed on in one hand or in one theory that they come from an unimaginably distant future. So it's believed they came back in time in an attempt to prevent their own extinction that was caused by the literal end of the universe itself. The belief, love it. Yeah, <laughs> the belief is that they accomplish this by using a powerful spell uh, to send their massive spell jamming fleet back in time, 
Uh, and the fleet arrived in different time periods in various crystal spheres to reestablish their empires. Uh, for those out of the loop, crystal spheres are physical shells that encompass entire solar systems, uh, particularly within the Forgotten Realms universe. This is something we covered in the Patreon-only exclusive episode that's sort of attached to this, you know, sort of expanding on that sort of spacefaring um, part of this story. Uh, yeah. It's a good episode, listeners. Go if if you're not a Patreon member, I would consider joining just to listen to it. Why not? Here, here's here's your adventure hook, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So it, it's believed they came back in time. Massive spell jamming for these magical ships flying through space. Sent back in time, they arrived in different crystal spheres and and uh, sort of sort of solar systems on different planets. Uh, and this is that's you know sort of the justification as to why they exist in so many places universally, and. Uh, this theory is actually very consistent and sort of semi-confirmed with another fact, and that is related to the memories of Aboliths. Oh, I love where this is going. I love Aboliths so much. Aboliths are so cool. They're like one of the biggest, most powerful aberrations uh, in the game, and... I have busted my ass to put an abolith in our campaign but oh yeah it just never works out yeah i love them so, so much. i mean aboliths have this unique trait where uh they they have uh, a perfect absolutely perfect memory they also share natural psionic abilities with mind flayers not in, none that they're connected but they they both just naturally have these psionic abilities so uh that's sort of an aberration trait i think but aboliths in particular they maintain a perfect memory not just of their own life but of their ancestors and the a perfect memory of those they consume so they are amazing the the perfect most extraordinary memory having creatures ever uh like they are if they can't remember something it it's very likely it never happened uh in history uh, so to speak. And the reason this theory is semi-confirmed by this is because there's no no abolith that has the memory of the origin of Mind Flayers. So cool. So cool. Uh, and that's like the sort of forefront theory. That, that's, that, you know, they came back in time because no abolith remembers how they started. They have plenty of memories of them existing because Mind Flayers and Alithids have existed for quite a long time. But the origin totally escapes them. Now, others believe that they are actually descendants of an inbred mutant human race from the distant ancient cluster sphere, uh, sorry, cluster space crystal sphere, uh, which again we talked about in uh, briefly in the Patreon exclusive episode. Uh, and uh, while they were within this sphere, uh, they were forced to live underground on whatever planet they were started from, uh, and were were forced to stay there by. Uh, unknown oppressors of some kind. And after a long time of experimentation and honing their psionic abilities, they eventually sought vengeance and then set out to conquer the entire universe. That's so dark. Yeah. I mean, this is all really dark. (laughs) Yeah. But that one in particular is very, very dark. (laughs) Yeah. And then they have uh, yet a third theory that uh, that dismisses these two uh, in favor of uh, the Mind Flayer's either being from or were in some way changed by the Far Realm, which is a plane of madness. 
it's situated from the other planes on this, uh, very far from the other planes on the standard wheel of cosmology. So they uh, uh, they don't they don't believe them. Uh, th- this third theory doesn't believe them to be mutated uh, humans, but rather uh, perhaps beings of some kind or humans humanoids of some kind that were changed or at least came from the far realm. So yeah, that that third theory is is gnarly. Uh, in fact, there's some evidence that supports it uh, because there was a there was a group of mind flayers that were known to have reached the far realm using a nautiloid spell jammer. Uh, I shared a, a couple of spell jammers with you earlier, uh, but let me show you another picture. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that I've seen before. Yeah, yeah it's cool. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. It, it's sort of this nautical uh, conch-shelled spell jammer ship. Um, and so they, they use one of those. It's, it's sort of the trademark uh, larger ship for the Mind Flayers as, as opposed to the Squid Ship. And uh, they use one of these. Uh, spell jammers could, could not only travel between crystal spheres, but they could travel between planes as well. So they managed to reach the far realm. Uh, this sort of plane of madness uh, in in one of these nautiloids, and when they returned, their bodies, minds, and goals had changed, and they were worshiping an entity known as Thun. Interesting. I yes. feel like that's going to come into play later. <laughs> uh, very little is known about Thun, uh, but I will send you a picture of a mind flayer who worships Thun, uh, okay. and they're like extremely buff. The image is like him holding a a, a decaying, it looks like a de- decaying mind flayer head, uh, and they're they're extremely tough and powerful and and uh, dominating mind flayers, which is saying a lot because they're already sort of that, but they're like again bodies, minds, and goals yeah. changed, and these these guys they traveled uh, the underdark, spreading the philosophy of Thune. Um, while also looking for a mysterious substance that they refer to as the quintessence. Oh god damn it. <laughs> and apparently it could it could be found What in, up 1980? <laughs> it could be found in uh, in creatures as well as raw materials. Uh, but I didn't dive too far into that. Oh, you don't say that. the quintessence. Yeah, the quintessence, yeah. The quintessential <laughs> essence. It's probably just carbon of life. Yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> uh, so I didn't I didn't dive super hard into it, but um uh, oh my yeah, god! I super- hate that word so much. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, that's that's what they were looking for. Um, but regardless of any of these theories, they all shared uh, one common thread, and it's that uh, an uncertain number of millennia in the past, the mind flayers were were the most powerful species in the inner planes. They had empires that crossed multiple worlds and into ast- the astral. And ethereal planes, in the past. In the past. Uh, so even in the past of like the forgotten realms. Correct. The mind flares. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. I'm I'm there it's, with you. It's believed they come from the distant future, but they've been around for a long, long time. Right. Uh, and it was during this time that they they were at their height that uh, eventually the gith. Uh, that we uh, are both uh, relatively familiar with, and we will certainly be doing another uh, couple episodes on. Um, I th- I, we might have said it earlier, uh, but they were the most prominently enslaved race of the Mind Flayers, and they managed to right. rebel, and they took down the empires in all of the astral plane in less than a year. 
Yeah, the Gith got shit done. They went nuts. And then after they succeeded in this, the Mind Flayer enclaves and colonies on the Material Plane were next, and they were ruthlessly hunted by the, the at this point, divided Gith, the Gith Yankee and the Gith Sarai, um, hunting parties, and were nearly brought to extinction. And the Mind Flayers essentially went into, like, hardcore hiding as a result. That's awesome. Yeah. And if you want to read more about that, you can uh, check out Morning Canaan's Tome of Foes, page mm. 85. Uh, that's the Gith in their endless war. Yeah. But if you're just willing to wait, eventually we'll cover the Gith. Yeah, for if sure. If you want to hear it, for $5, you can request an episode on Patreon, and we'll do the Gith. <laughs> Absolutely. Request away, my friends. Uh, get in there. Uh, just before we started the episode, I had James watch the, uh, the first long cinematic trailer for the upcoming Baldur's Gate 3. Well, it's, it's coming in early access soon uh, from Larian Studios. And um, uh, th- there is a couple things that apply already. Uh, one in particular is, uh, is the ship that you see in the trailer. I recommend watching anyone listening. Um, and it is very much a, a, an immense Nautiloid uh, uh, spell jammer. And yeah, it's only, really incredible how much these things actually just look like a Nautilus. Right. Yeah, and and it, not only did it, it clearly in the trailer switches switches planes, uh, and it is clearly a living uh, spelljammer, which we briefly discussed in the other episode, uh, because uh, where in this cluster space where it is is possibly believed they come from, that cluster space uh, cannot be exited without a living ship. So these nautiloid ships could very well be uh, uh, part of the reason they uh, were able to escape it and uh, could add some substance to, I think, the second theory as opposed to the first, where it was a time travel. Um, or right. ma- maybe it applies to both, you know? Uh, but it, uh, that trailer alone, who knows what that game will confirm as far as, as lore and canon goes. Uh, but that, that's something that stood out to me. Yeah, uh, I guess it really could be anything, yeah. eh? Not to mention, uh, we'll, we'll get into... Uh, the tadpoles and stuff, but uh, in the trailer, it's very specific that uh, it, there's a gif uh, that's trapped within within the nautiloid, um, and there are gif hunting it. Right, and there are gif and there are gif attacking it. Yeah, so the the war goes on. Uh, also, you just sent me a picture of <laughs> is a nautilus or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it's a Nautilus. Oh, it's so I think they're cute. It's like, they are cute. They're so <laughs> in a really weird, fucked up, deep ocean way. They are adorable. Yeah, <laughs> I, listeners, I've got a real south spot for crustaceans specifically. Oh, man. Yeah, they're cool. They're so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> specifically, what are what are they called? The um, octopods and squids. What are like cephalopods? What is there? Cephalopods, yeah. specifically cephalopods and rodents. I've yeah. got a real, real soft spot yeah, for. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, you know, the, there's a, a brief, uh, brief look into their origins and and this sort of uh, unknown vagueness they're in. And yeah, I love it. I love the fact that they haven't really felt the need to explain it away. I, I think that really adds a lot to a history. One of the things that bothers me the most is when things that don't need an origin get an origin story. Yeah. <laughs> the Joker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, to be fair, it's like a, it's like a, a, a to me that, that is a, a, that film in particular is, um, uh, is a is a side story. It's not it's not meant to be canon, right? It's it's like a, a lot of 
graphic novels uh, in in comic books, you know, at all. Like the the zomb- the whole zombie thing uh, with Marvel, you know, they're, they're not meant to be canon. That is meant to be like a is what canon. If, it's though. a what if scenario. Scenario is it? No, it's not. Is the, it? the Marvel oh. zombies are canon? Yeah, oh, fuck. it's well, just a different world. The what if Marvel scenarios are the what if ones. Oh, uh, maybe I'm thinking of Dragon uh, Ball Z. They did like most of the films for Dragon Ball Z are what if scenarios. They're not necessarily. Yeah, yeah, that's what. I'm that, thinking yeah, of. that's fair. Yeah. Um, I also wouldn't know. I've never seen it, and I won't ever see it. <laughs> if, if you if you if you go in thinking, okay, this is not this is not a Batman or DC universe film. It's actually it's a it's a good commentary, if you will. Uh, using yeah, I using believe a, it. A I, character, I, yeah. But. You know, I have no doubts yeah. about it. But that's not what it is. It is a Batman DC film. <laughs> we let's let's stop there because I this this could go for hours. Yeah, catch me in the Discord if you want to hear my thoughts on this because yeah. you you need to strap uh, in. Get in the, uh, become a subscriber and quiz uh, James on a film he's never seen. <laughs> See how it goes. Yeah, down. <laughs> for sure, it'll go down very well. You'll win, I promise you. But I'm I'm gonna get in some good shots. Uh, and you can you can you can hit us up in the Discord at any time, Darren yeah, and I, sure. if yeah. you uh, subscribe to our Patreon for a dollar. Uh, a dollar or more so even as little as a dollar a month gets you direct access to us yeah uh and uh we're pretty we're pretty good about responding uh, james is a bit faster than i am but uh i, I love catching up and, and, and responding it's fun uh, i have the notifications on, on my phone yeah oh uh, yeah see i don't have that <laughs> for now i hate i hate my for phone now. going off <laughs> yeah, yeah fair enough um but uh from here we'll, we'll actually look at uh mind flares uh, from like a creature perspective, from here on up, because so we're, we're gonna st- we're gonna start straight up with the physical description. Like, okay, you know, we're sort of like dove in, assuming that people know what they look like, but let's not assume that from here on out. Uh, and we're gonna go from the ground up. Um, okay, they look like Bill Nighy's character in that one Pirates of the Caribbean movie, sort of, from yeah, forever ago, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so they've got like they should have gotten skin. sued for that. <laughs> yeah. They've got mauve skin. Uh, it's very specific. It is mauve. Um, okay, that is uh, very specific. It is very specific, and every, every time you look around, it's like, yeah, it's mauve. And um, so it's a very purpley color. Uh, they're they have rigid octopus. Uh, sorry, not rigid, ridged octopus-like heads. So the tops of their heads are actually ridged in, I think, like three sections. Uh, and they have four tentacles uh, that surround a lamprey-like mouth. Uh, they are specifically Gross. warm-blooded amphibians, and their blood is a silvery white color. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Get, I mean, get into a bit of biology there. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you have yeah. the uh, mind flayer, uh, you know, wiki open, you can see. I I do, and I can see mind flayers in red, teal, and blue. <laughs> They're gonna, they're gonna say, even black and white actually when it can't get to one e. Uh, but, oh, I've got the video at the top pause that this exact section where they're <laughs> where they're in three different colors. Amazing. Um, so yeah. Uh, so as far as far as uh, at least five e goes, uh, without without any uh, reflecting light, they are mauve. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like it. I, I yeah. love I love purple. I think mauve is a purple with 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 gray undertones. Like it's a it's, sure. like it's a cold purple. Yeah. I can see that. Is I that right? On that, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't have my color wheel out. So a, a description that comes from both the first edition Monster Manual and a second edition book. I know you're gonna love this. It's called the Elithiad. Yep, that's the best name of anything ever. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> also, another reason I called this episode Illithids, uh, you know, from this book, The Illithid, uh, they're described as having long reddish fingers, uh, with the index finger being absent. Their two feet are two-toed and webbed. Okay. And they stand about six feet tall, basically all of them. Uh, their eyes okay. are solid white and extremely sensitive to light, to the point of it being actually painful to them. Uh, I look forward to that being reflected in the lore yeah, or uh, in the mechanics. Yeah, yeah. And Githyanki scholars believe that it, this sensitivity was due to their alien physiology and anatomy uh, that focus light in a, some sort of strange way. Uh, they weren't so okay. specific about it, but they, they, that, that's what they believed. And according to the book Into the Void, uh, their vision was also more sensitive when it came to the recognition of geometric shapes. Oh, okay. So more rods and cones or wh- whatever, right. however that works. Yeah. Um, um, speaking of rodents, listeners, if you can hear it in the background, my guinea pig is having a bad time. So he's moving his shit around in his house. Oh, and he's he, throwing yeah. a fucking tantrum. So you, uh, the mic might pick out a little bit of that up, and that, that's what that <laughs> <Yeah>. is. If, <laughs> it's, if you hear a little extra noise, it's, a, it's guinea pig tantrums. Yeah, his name's Benjamin. He's normally lovely, but he's got a respiratory infection. No, he's basically a miniature giant uh, space hamster. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, throw, just throwing it back. 5e cannon. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Yeah, so like the way human eyes work is they have rods and cones, mm-hmm. and one of them, I don't know which, does one of those things, and the other one, obviously probably obviously does the other right and I didn't, so they just have like a like an imbalance of those i guess right yeah right? i i didn't look into the book the actual book into the void um but uh that sentence is a bit vague in the fact that it says this it's uh sensitive to geometric shapes but doesn't doesn't seem to specify if it's sensitive in the same way it is to light like to the point of painfulness or is it like more recognizable like easier for no them to distinguish? It, well well, the, even what you have written, it's sensitive when it came to the recognition of geometric shapes. Right. So that would be like like movement and like seeing shit. Okay, like they're, sure. They're very, very aware, just, you know, yeah. like catch, light is light, light and bad. Yeah. 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 I, I think this is how my eyes are built. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't, I don't like fluorescent lights, but I catch movement pretty quickly. Right. Okay. Sure. Uh, so these, uh, so mind flares, uh, personality-wise... Uh, they are, I mean, they're pretty egotistical. They, they view themselves as absolute masterminds all of the time. Um, they're always try, trying to control, manipulate, and harvest and twist others to further their own evil ends. Uh, they are known for cooperating, but will back out, and I mean cooperating with like other creatures other than Mind Flayers, uh, but they will back out at the first sign of something not being profitable to their own uh, or serving their own plans. Um, Other than the fact that they're slavers, so far I have never identified with a D&D creature more than I do <laughs> mind flares. Yeah, that actually makes so much sense. <laughs> I can totally see that. Uh, they're also aggressive and elitist. <laughs> oh, well, I take it back. <laughs> and they will, uh, they will attempt uh, to mentally enslave practically anything. Uh, and anyone who isn't an illithid. Um, and so th- this is why there's, they're, they're, they're sort of separate, I think, from other aberrations. Is that okay. they... Uh, it, it's, it's well enough that any creature will like stick with their own, 
but they will like that sentence alone says a lot. They will attempt to mentally enslave practically anything and anyone that isn't one of their own. Like nothing's off the table, basically. Um, yeah, and that's why I don't want to bulk them into like all aberrations are basically from the same place and have the same goals and do the same thing. It's just not true, right? And you're right. I looked more into the that in the break between recording these episodes, and I was absolutely wrong. Not all aberrations are from um, that place in space. Right. The um, the phlogiston. Yeah. Um, but they are all not from our planar space right that's the general idea i think of 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 aberration as a creature type is that they are alien to the world that you encounter them in um but aberrants even yeah aberrants yeah (laughs) and uh, they could come from basically anywhere but uh which means which means they have a very wide variety uh of what they can be um so this is a pre-correction you'll hear me say (laughs) that the patreon episode and it's wrong (laughs) um so these, uh, despite their their uh, aggressiveness and elitism, they are inherently very paranoid and fearful. Uh, this, of course, is due to the uprising of the Gith, uh, and they are very much in hiding. And uh, they have a collective strategy, uh, especially within a Mind Flayer colony, uh, to focus on concealment and survival. Okay. Out of sight, out of mind. Right. Got it. And, but outwardly, uh, Mind Flayer's show zero signs of emotion absolutely none they they appear cool calm and collected at all times even totally detached to their situation and they are known for outbursts of anger but it is difficult to read if it's truly anger or merely a display uh, i'm back to identifying with the mind flare <laughs> So, so <laughs> everything's a power. Oh my move. god! <laughs> You're not wrong. You're so not wrong. So, <laughs> so it's like you know, you you literally don't know. You literally don't know if it's if some yeah. that the, the mind flyer is actually angry, uh, or if they're just they're just displaying it to like intimidate you. And uh, inwardly, mind flayers uh, they experience only negative emotions. Uh, the angry and sadistic act of eating a brain is the only time they feel fulfilled. And it's going to sound crazy, but I'm out again. <laughs> and it's the closest to happiness they can ever get, uh, though it is uh, more through pride and satisfaction uh, of their own curiosities and, and the domination uh, of the act of eating another, another creature's brain. Um, As someone who's eaten another creature's brain, I can tell you that that's <laughs> not how I felt at eaten? all. I, I ate lamb brain once. Uh, cow and pig. Cow and pig, okay. Um, yeah. oh, I guess head cheese, eh? Yeah. yeah. I used to serve brain all the time instead yeah. of us. Yeah. I mean, we you know we called it head cheese, and it was like a face tureen, like all the good parts of the right. face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> face tureen? What a fucking unappealing <laughs> word. Uh, <laughs> so they call it, and yet head cheese is somehow better. Right. <laughs> It really isn't. Like, that's such a worse term. <laughs> you just hear it more often, so you get a little bit desensitized, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, mm. But it's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I no, it's not good. Sorry, not good. I apologize. I, actually, I did yeah, not uh, enjoy uh, eating brain. I had I had lamb brain in Australia, and it was actually this really cool bar in Brisbane. And uh, they had a really cool modern, I think it was like South American cuisine kind of combo. And the food was great. We tried the, there were lamb brain croquettes. And I can fuck with it as a croquette. And honestly, 
the sauce was amazing, and the croquette was really fucking boring. And they had a yeah. okay texture, I mean, and it, it was it was like shark fin soup, where it's like the soup's good, the shark fin is completely unneeded. Like wh- why the I've fuck? never had shark fin soup. I've never, I, not, neither have I. But I, I'm, so, I'm actually just sort of just like relying on on uh, what's his angry face from England. Oh God, what's the chef guy? You know, you know Which the one? guy, Marco Pierre White. No, no, the, the more Gordon famous Ramsay. one, Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay, that's the guy. <laughs> um, uh, more relying on a review of his. I've never had shark fin soup myself, but it's it basically like that, that. You know that that was his gist of it. He's just like this right. is pointless. This is absolutely pointless. This is like a, a horrible, horrible thing that we're doing to sharks. For yeah, the that being said, it, if you're gonna kill a shark and eat it, shark meat is really delicious. Yeah, like what, shark steak just, is some not. of the best meat out there. But they're just like cutting the fin off and throwing the back end so they can die. And he's like, the soup's great. Yeah, the fin doesn't do anything. <laughs> um, yeah, it really. It's yeah. it's it's a flex, is what that is. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> speaking of ocean dwelling creatures, <laughs> uh, we'll move into uh, probably the the biggest meat of this episode is the society uh, surrounding really? mind flayers. The meat of this is these loner creatures' society. Oh, they're not loners. Oh they're no! Not loners. I always imagine they'd be loners. They're not. But yeah, they're mostly okay. mostly used. Anytime I've ever encountered them or or or, or experienced something re- related to them in in game, they've been by themselves. These guys okay. are not loners. They are exactly opposite of that. Okay. Um, well, let's let's yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's dig in. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, they're they're fucking cool, man. So. So pop, we're gonna start with under society. We're gonna start with population. Mind flayers are rarely found alone. Is the first thing <laughs> I have here. Almost always. I'm clearly not reading your notes. Yeah. As we go. <laughs> Almost always, at least with a couple of slaves that are mentally bound to them. Uh, so like, not necessarily another mind flayer, but uh, at least with another entity that is enslaved by them. And these enslaved races include many things, but most commonly of Grimlocks, ogres, Quagoths, and troglodytes. Under dark. Creatures, uh, big, beefy, and not very intelligent creatures. Um, these are all share the common thread of being considerable. Sorry, these all share the common thread of being considered inedible by these mind flayers and illithids. Uh, so they enslave them instead and use them. Uh, they, they are okay. not. They are not. They are not intelligent enough to consume. Um, specifically, because they consume brains, right? Right, and, uh, I get that. That's yeah. how I feel about prawns. <laughs> they just, they just ain't strong enough, so I'm not going to go in there. Uh, <laughs> not, That's not true. Not I don't like prawns because they remind me of cockroaches. I, I don't like. Uh, it's not. I don't get prawns. I don't get prawns and shrimp. I don't get it. They just, they're, nah. they don't taste bad. I just don't get it. They don't taste good either. So, water <laughs> roaches. Um, so my flares, they live in colonies that can range from up to 200 or as low as 200. To up to two thousand mind flayers alone. That is so much evil. It's so much evil, and each each of these mind flayers will have at least two slaves that to do their bidding. This, of course, meant that, that slaves, yeah, slaves far outnumber the actual mind flayers themselves. Yeah, uh, you need somebody to cut your meat as one pours your drink. <laughs> I get it. It's kind of, kind of like being the boss in the kitchen. You know, you got a bunch of slaves in the end. You start to relate again, aren't you? <laughs> no. Oh my god, I wish that were true so bad. Uh, for those of you listening at home, here's a little peek behind the curtain. These episodes have been very difficult to record because for the last four weeks, I've been working seven days a week. Yeah. 
Hundred percent. Yeah. If, um, if James, if James had more people working uh, under him, he, his life would be a bit easier right now. It's fucking impossible to find someone working a kitchen, eh? At least someone it's, reliable. It's or, ruthless. Or you know, yeah. to show up for an interview for fuck's sake. Um, I would. That would be nice. That would be very nice. If you would, if you commit to an interview, to come to that interview, or to not decommit to that interview. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> that's that's not worth talking about, but. But for, I'm so tired all the time, <laughs> listeners. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't envy James's situation, especially right now. But no. you're, you're on the cusp. If, you're, you're if you want to be a chef, yeah. Yeah. don't seriously reconsider your goals. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's why James and I are doing this. Hopefully, we'll make a career out of this one, <laughs> or something related yeah. to this at the very least. <laughs> uh, but anyway, for for uh, an example of what we're talking about uh, in the third edition source book, Underdark. The city of Orondal, uh, if I remember correctly, Orondal is a, like a famous uh, illithid of some kind. I, I didn't do any research on on that exactly, but it, the name did pop up a number of times. But uh, that's fine. In that city, We've got fans who will write in and tell us. Yeah, <laughs> sure, I'm sure they will. Um, in that city, uh, there was a total population of twenty four thousand, uh, but the mind flayers only numbered forty three hundred. A city seems like a stretch for twenty four thousand. Uh, it's an underdark city. I guess lot lot less yeah. space. So designation I mean, of of settlement type. I mean, you've looked like, way more in that than I ever have. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I lived in Charlottetown, it was twenty eight thousand, and it's mm. the founding place of Canada. Right, it's still yeah. only a town. <laughs> um, Probably because changing the name to Charlotte City would just feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Charlotte City. Yeah, that, that, anyway, that wouldn't make any sense. That's, that's enough of me like, relating I to these creatures. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm sure we're going to get more into it. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see how much, you've more, how much more you flip-flop uh, in, in relation. Um, next section, so we, co- we cover population. Next section is, is communication and the elder brains. You uh, have my attention. Yeah. And uh, we also have the attention of beer I figure uh, I've been like mine has been sitting next to me for the last half hour and I've been right. waiting to crack it because crack it's my last blackmail uh, before I start just crack it right now or do you want to wait still that's fine you can wait <laughs> I mean I don't I don't want to wait but we do still have an ad coming up that's, that's fine I've decided to do one an extra one now uh, <laughs> because okay. because what? I thought communication and elder brains uh, equated beer um, I okay. I'm gonna me. pour myself a whiskey. Will, will you? Will Perfect. you take me there? That's totally good. I mean, why not? It may, uh, beer makes me more communicative. I think it makes me I makes me speak, makes me speak my mind more. <laughs> That's fair. Which is not always not always to the benefit of the, the general public. Um, and I can tell you that whiskey definitely does not help my elder brain. <laughs> Um, but uh, these populations your minds with these puns, <laughs> listeners. Just don't, just don't <laughs> ignore <laughs> ignore him from now on. Uh, <laughs> you can get that one out too. That's fine. Yeah. So these uh, these populations here's here's where like the, the you know oh these mind flares are uh, uh, you know loner type gets totally thrown out the window. The populations of these colonies operate under a single hive mind 
That's why your nickname oh. in the intro was Hive Mind. Uh, and that Hive right. Mind is a centralized elder brain. And it exerts telepathic control over any mind flare within a five mile or eight kilometer radius. I hope so hard that you talk about what happens when <laughs> two elder brains meet. <laughs> uh, yes and no. We'll, we'll kind of get there. Um, okay. So, so an elder brain is considered, uh, quote, the heart of the community. Uh, it is kept in a pool or tank of briny fluids and made up it is made up of the <laughs> brains made up of the brains of dead mind flayers from the colony that is incredible and disgusting yeah <laughs> i love that i think that's such good lore yeah and so it's and it stores all of the information of the colony issues tasks and commands and acts as a central communication hub from one mind flayer to another anywhere within the colony the control it exerts is so absolute that it is considered better to think of a whole mind flare colony as a single unit or an individual that is the elder brain. And if you do not, it, it meant to emphasize that if you do not go in that with that idea in mind, you're going to get destroyed. They are so singularly cooperative. They are essentially enslaved themselves. So it adds a whole extra layer to their sort of menacing, enslaving nature. That's so good. Right? So, like, <laughs> I know as much as we shit on D&D mechanically. Sorry. I know as much as I shit on D&D mechanically. <laughs> the lore and the writing is so Sometimes it gets you. Good. Yeah. It's choice. Yeah. Man, it's, that is... That's really, that's some, really good. That's some crazy shit. Yeah, like they, they that's it. Like they are a whole community. Imagine that, and imagine up to two thousand mind flayers are need to be considered as one singular entity. You know, there is no limit to, to what the elder brain can handle. It is a collective consciousness, like it's like centralized. And, uh, and even in that in that example we gave, up to forty three hundred uh, mind flayers were one spot, um, and you know, theoretically, you know, controlled by a single elder brain. Um, so a lot of power, a lot of power, and a lot of organization, a lot of cooperation. Yeah, absolutely, and a lot of a lot of dead mind flayer brains. Like. Yeah, a lot, yeah, and yeah, to get that community that size and the the elder brain to be that powerful, like it would involve a lot of like mind flayers eventually dying and and assimilating and merging, if you will. Um, I wonder what the ratio is, like yeah, one dead brain to five live brains. <laughs> Definitely don't have that covered. I promise you that. <laughs> um, no, no, I didn't think <laughs> yeah. we would. It's just me, my thought. That's where my brain goes, is right. the math behind it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, of course, mind flayers preferred to speak and communicate telepathically, but they were able to speak under common and deep speech. Deep speech being uh, a, a relatively common, I mean, I guess both are, are relatively common uh, underdark and aberration uh, related languages. Um, I don't, is deep speech a common language? I, I think it's a common aberration language. Oh, okay, gotcha. At. Yeah, I think they're both common with aberrations. Um, Why well, anybody can speak undercommon? Undercommon's a, like, like I said, no, it's, no, yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's no, the sorry. trading language I, of Faerun. I probably spoke like uh, not not clearly. I, I'm saying that both of those languages, I think, both of those languages, I think, are common among aberrations. 
not that right. one's more common than the other in general. Just in with within the aberration uh, sort of creature type, and you're likely to have both of those uh, languages. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, I, I imagine deep speech being the one that's like most uh, shareable among aberrations, um, but. Uh, it's very likely, I think, that they'll know Undercommon as well, because I think a lot of aberrations do exist, or the majority of them do exist in the Underdark. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So in, in my research today, I found that Undercommon is like the is, is the common of the Underdark, which I, I didn't actually right. know that prior to today. Oh, no? Oh, no, yeah, I, I totally no. knew that. Yeah, it, it's like you get down there, and it's like everyone's speaking... Everyone's speaking one language, but it's not one you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. I mean, like it's literally the title. Like it's it's an onomatopoeia for Christ's sake. So I never put that shit together. Like it's one of those moments. I'm just like not, I might no, be the dumbest person on the planet. I don't, it's, that's not an onomatopoeia. <laughs> I know it's not an onomatopoeia. Buzz, but it's an onomatopoeia <laughs> for a bumblebee. Yeah, or moo or wolf. Um, <laughs> my my point is that I felt like the dumbest person on the planet today not putting together that it's the common of the underdark Fine. and that's why it's called undercommon. That that right there is I I think the it is not only the crux of my life it should be the crux of many people's lives. You just need to like suddenly realize how dumb you are on a daily basis. <laughs> it really does put things in a What better way to learn, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You're yeah. just like I I haven't thought about this ever. <laughs> And yet, everything I've never thought about it is wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, okay, here's a really cool fact, too. I will throw this in. Um, okay, cool. There is a written communication that mind flayers use called Qualith. And it is pretty any, specific. Any relation to the creature? Uh, no. What creature are you thinking of? Qualiths? Not, Not that I know of. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think qualits are a creature, and you've got me all paranoid. I, 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 not, I've never, never heard. I, I'm sure there's a creature very close to that word, uh, but I don't think it's a creature. <laughs> qualits. <laughs> okay. Um, what I will share with you is an example of qualith. Uh, it, it is Sweet. It's an image. And what? So, yeah. So that looks like square braille. <laughs> that's yes, exactly that. Uh, basically, uh, the de- description of Qualith is that it consists of four parallel lines, specifically textured to be read by Mind Flayer's tentacles. And in parentheses, oh. think braille, but with wriggling appendages. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> okay. And. But it also is imprinted psionically and conveys the thoughts and feelings of the writer. Uh, it can be written on parchment, uh, anything from parchment to surfaces that require carving. Uh, and though, but degradation of other material does does cause the message to fade over time. So just a bit of a sort of physical aspect to it. Qualith uh, is extremely difficult for non-illithids to read. Uh, usually yeah. requiring magic to decipher, such as the spell comprehend languages. This is due to each line of the message modifying the others. And only when comprehending it as a whole does it ever make any sense. So successfully interpreting and messaging without the use of magic uh, results in not just knowing the meaning, but you also gain an insight to the writer's thoughts and even who the message is intended for. 
failure. So it's like Braille with a built-in cipher. And and like uh, literally a built-in uh, built-in like mind read. Um, yeah. There's a, okay. like you literally have like a, a you're having a, a a brief like specific connection to the mind of the writer, and uh, failure to actually uh, failure to read it without magical means. Actually, I, I think even with magical means, uh, actually has the potential to drive the reader into madness. Uh, and at the very, very least, cause a really bad headache. Yeah. So I wonder, um, did it mention Comprehend Languages specifically while you were doing it this did, research? yeah. So, like, by okay. magical means, so you, you could you could, you could, you could, you could interpret it. Um, right. But if you so I always it, thought Comprehend Languages was reading. This isn't reading. Uh, well, this is a, only a written language. So but you don't read it, you feel it. And uh, that's kind of where I would... Because you can't... Like, you and I could not read Braille. But we, we could learn to read Braille. I guess. Is reading the right word, though? Uh, interpreting. Experience? Interpreting. Interpreting, Interpreting yeah. uh, maybe, is the more proper word. But, I mean, bra- Braille is a very loose term for this quality. Very loose. It is, it is a physical... Yeah indentation in in where it's written uh or carving if you will uh but uh the reading of it is is more uh psionically uh influenced okay gotcha and so there's a whole extra level that you can't get on the uh tangibly with say your fingers or or with your eyes either or whether it's by sight or by touch you know right it's because of the nature of the language that that's that's an okay thing Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And okay. So right. there are actually some that. specially trained dwarves, uh, known as uh, I'm the, I don't know how to really say this. Carid uh, hackers. Carid hackers. Uh, it's a loose, loosely translated to mind stucker. Uh, so, like, I, I, I would imagine they might be. Uh, they could be Duragar, maybe just mountain dwarves. Uh, but they uh, probably was, horizon walkers. Oh yeah, that, that would be an interesting idea because uh, they they have a sort of do they have a, like a more psionic abilities or they're just more like plane plane traveling? They're more like plane traveling. Okay. Um, so I was thinking of a quagoth. Oh uh, right. Uh, so they they were listed under uh, the uh, chief enslaved races that weren't considered yeah. Yeah. So not not the qualith. Qualith. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Quazit is a demon, but I was right. thinking of quagoth yeah. or quagoth or. Yeah. But the, these dwarves, uh, they, they were supposedly able to grasp the basic meaning by running their fingers across the lines, but uh, they couldn't discern any nuance uh, that is normally intended. So that they, they, they came the closest uh, to being able to uh, interpret it, um, and, and probably with, with few, if no, ill effects. Um, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't get a, nearly enough um, uh, that's needed for the message. Yeah, fair. And as far as like uh, uh, keeping under the, under the theme of communication and that sort of thing, um, mind flayers—they uh, did have names, but the names were made up of of thoughts and images used to identify uh, specific individuals. And so, of course, this results in uh, something that's too complex to pronounce uh, or define in, in a spoken language. Uh, though under dark races would combine descriptive descriptive phrases. Uh, that roughly translated uh, into undercommon, 
um, to specify certain mind flares. Uh, although I don't, I actually don't have any examples of this. Um, no, but it was it was specifically mentioned. The uh, right. the mind flares themselves, sense. yeah, it does yeah. Mind flares themselves, they they would they would uh, adopt pronounceable names for ease of communication with their thralls, but uh, and probably more specifically to intimidate their enemies. Um, yeah, Pe- people do that over here all the time. Um, <laughs> I'm 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 sure it's a common thing in every culture. Like if you move right. to a different culture, normally your name is is challenging to pronounce, especially mm-hmm. if it's a drastically different one. Right. So this makes a lot of sense. So I, I specifically uh, didn't go uh, into uh, the la- our la- a later usual section of like honorable mentions and and that sort of thing. Um, I thought I would I would just like shove it in here real quick. Uh, just uh, notable mind, mind flares on the forgotten. Realms Wiki, you know, you have Galum, um, you know, who's an inhabitant of uh, Rixig Enclave, sent to enslave Duragar in the way down the 15th century DR. Uh, you have yeah. Grazalax, a member of the Society of Brilliance. Uh, Nihilur, a uh, mind flayer who worked for Xanathar's Thieves Guild. Uh, it was fun. That's a good name. Yeah. He was fond of creating intellect devours and setting a loose through it water deep. Of course, there's Captain Nagathrod of the Scavenger and his miniature giant space hamster. <laughs> <laughs> See Patreon episode. Yeah. A Vestris, a rogue elithid who served the Kraken Society, which we spoke of earlier in the, in the previous episode. Uh, yeah, Patreon episode as Patreon well, episode, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, I... None of these uh, sort of relay the uh, set of descriptive sentences that could describe them, uh, but they do have sort of like, you know, tangible or like, you know, actual spoken. Right. Uh, like uh, Harbinger of the Dark or Harbinger of the Dark or something like right, that. Right. Yeah. 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 They don't have okay. nothing, nothing noted like that. Um, uh, but there is an element of independence related to uh, Mind Flayers, which is uh, uh, not surprising. Uh, basically, mind flayers often willingly come together to achieve a goal, uh, but are always vying and fighting for control within their own community. Regardless of this, they always are beneath the elder brain. Always. It That's is, a pretty common trope. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, the it is forsaken in the eye of the world, the mm-hmm. uh, like Sauron and. Uh, mm. Lord of the Rings. I'm sure there's some Game of Thrones analog yeah. that somebody can think of out there. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, and it's, and it's weird because like they're vying for control and 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 fighting within themselves, but never, but they're never having truly the opportunity to become the ultimate. Right? Uh, they can't become the Elder Brain by themselves, but they will still like vie for that control and that and that dominance over each other. Um, I mean, Second in command is still better than third in command. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, second place is the first to lose, as they say. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a tough one for me. I, I I've always believed that the best place in the world is the right hand. Like it's life is so oh, much easier yeah. when you're not the the figure. Oh, you know? for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so it is believed that um, that at one time the vast historical empires. Uh, when they fell, that uh, the survival of the Mind Flayers uh, depended on their submission to the Elder Brains. And ideologically, uh, they formed factions uh, within these colonies. And 
these factions are known as creeds and were used to align mind flayers with like abilities and philosophies. Representatives of these creeds formed elder concords. Oh my God. <laughs> and led their factions with divine guidance. Quote. Uh, mind flayers built communism. <laughs> they basically did. Uh, so they, they led these factions on uh, divine guidance and approval from the elder brain. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> They are so communist. <laughs> and uh, if uh, if multiple creeds work together uh, towards the same goal, they uh, if they had to, uh, they formed what's called a Grand Elder Concord. And uh, should problems arrive or a secret need be discovered, mind clairs formed inquisitions, uh, which were not unlike adventuring parties, so, like much more concentrated, specific, and they would actually venture out and... Um, <laughs> If there was a, an issue too large for an inquisition to handle, a much larger group was formed known as a cult. And a cult was was spearheaded by two mind flayers that were constantly vying for greater power within it. Often such a formation would bring a larger group of mind flayers out of reach of the Elder Brain's influence. And thus is considered extremely dangerous, but only put into action if uh, the potential was highly profitable. So high wow. risk, high reward. Yeah. And leaving the influence of the elder brain uh, for an extended period of time gave the mind flare the opportunity to reacquire free will and independence. And reacquire is specifically used because they have not always had to rely on elder brains. Like I said earlier, when the empires fell, it's believed the survival depended on submitting to them. And so they re reacquire an independence of free will, a free agency. And just imagine not knowing you ever were supposed to have that and suddenly it dawns. I, I love the contradictory nature of their society so much. Right? And you like, thought they were loners. How can you possibly be a hive mind? <laughs> right. If you have a city council. <laughs> like, that's just not how those two yeah. words work. They work within it. But, like, the elder brain pulls literally all the strings. So, even, yeah, when, even yeah. when they think they have... But it, it specifically says hive mind. Yeah. Right. Which and they can't can, they can, be the case if you have a city council, which right. is what you're describing now. Which is... Like, I, I love... I, I love so much... And I don't often... Um, the, uh, the inconsistencies of that. Right. There's so much room for good play. Uh, I mean, spoiler alert, but if you continue playing the Halo games, I don't know if you've played them one, two, through three before, but I have not. You you will you'll experience uh, a hive mind aspect to the story. Uh, that's that's I, like not it's not because it, uh, hive. I don't know the actual definition definition of hive mind, but it does not necessarily mean everyone has. Influence. It just means it means all the minds are interconnected, and and right. there is no influence. Right. It's just all. It's one mind distributed through many bodies. Uh, so, like, not the case in this case, and not the case in Halo. I tell you right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm so, wondering if my de my definition is just wrong. Yeah, may maybe. Uh, it, it, at least in this case, uh, it is uh, is high by they're all they are all interconnected, but they are all influenced by a single entity. 
so they have the freedom yeah. to use that uh, that single entity to communicate over vast distances and coordinate over vast distances. Um, but this does not necessarily mean they have the any amount of uh, equal influence whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Kind of like the enemy in um, Ender's Game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's been a long time since I, since yeah, I uh, experienced too. that story. But, but yeah, like, um, cause the flood, the flood are pretty much based on that race, if I'm not right, mistaken. Yeah. Like, and, th- and that, of course, that's, uh, obviously that's where it's going to come into play in Halo. Yeah, for, for sure. There's yeah. no way. Cause I just watched Keith David get stripped down <laughs> as the Arbiter in <laughs> right, Halo yeah. 2. <laughs> Amazing. So it's, uh, yeah, uh, they, uh, I think, I think Hivemind... Uh, by definition, um, is that there is one, there was a single one, uh, and it, it that there's a single mind that controls the hive, if you will. It's yeah. like Queen Bee. That's what I just said, yeah. isn't it? Uh, I, but of, in my <laughs> mind, they don't. Those those bodies don't have free will. They're they're not they're not autonomous. Right. And I think that's where my definition might be wrong. Is okay, that maybe yeah. each individual creature is autonomous, just under influence of the hive mind. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, anyway, yeah, the, um, so le- leaving the influence of the elder brain, um, and causing an independent mind flare, a truly independent mind flare to exist, uh, these mind flares were considered renegades and could form their own colonies or even al- ally themselves with others. Uh, but once under the sway of an elder brain, again, any of these alliances, and these independent colonies would become all but non-existent and null and void to them. They would immediately come under sway again to the Elder Brain. Of course, making them even more paranoid of falling under right. the influence. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Free thinkers are dangerous. It's <laughs> one of the mantras of a communist society. <laughs> right? <laughs> it makes sense. Like, yeah. everything here adds up. I really like it. Yeah. Um. I, I really, uh, in my younger days, I really thought, you know, I really dug deep into communism and I really believed um, that it was the best form of government. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of flipped the exact opposite way. Like, now I'm I'm yeah. definitely a hardcore anarchist. Well, <laughs> um, I mean, it's true. Yeah. I, I don't really think people need a large government when day-to-day we're civil to each other. As long as we continue to be civil to each other day-to-day, I think we're going to be okay. Um, we struggle with, struggle with that even now, though, let's be honest. We do. I mean, like, not in person, I don't find as much as we do online. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> you know that being said you gotta toss a couple of punk asses out of your restaurant a month that's fine like uh, I, I I lost my point um, but <laughs> this really does seem to be um, incredibly representative of like like um, like a Leninist uh, like like almost an idealist communist society right uh, definitely not Marxist. Don't don't get me confused. There, political students. Um, I mean, like 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 Trotsky. Probably closer to Trotsky than Lenin. Like Russian communist. Um, I mean, it's like, good. So, I, I, I like it. It makes sense. It it works with yeah. the lore. It 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 it's great. Right. I mean, you asked earlier. You know, are these more arc sort of bad guys or like end game bad guys and to me this is this is the point um the the part and in, in their story that uh, i th- i was like that made me not want to commit because 
to one or the other because, you know, they have the potential to be independent. Uh, and like you didn't know that was coming that they were so enslaved by an elder brain like making them in my opinion more of an arc story arc enemy because you don't really know what you're in for it's a much more massive elder brain controlled conspiracy or or danger um but yeah but, i think this i think you're right yeah but like if they become independent then they could very well be the the overarching you know bad guy they could be the the one you know because they've they have that that free will and they are that renegade and they have built themselves their own colony and fm created their own system of allies uh they could very well yeah. be that that top dog and like and we'll yeah. certainly get into a little bit uh if we if we reach mechanics and stuff and and talk about like uh what the potentials are for 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 possibly different mind flares like you know there's a lot lots to work with there yeah, and I think when we hit homebrew, we'll we'll dig into it. But I th- right. I think I think the mind flayer itself is probably an arc villain. Right um, now, knowing what I know about them, I think Elder Brain could be a campaign villain, and I think it could be really For really sure. interesting and like a political intrigue campaign. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll touch more on that in homebrew. Yeah. What what else do you uh, what else do you have for lore for these guys? Well, we'll talk about uh, religion and magic too. Um, we'll start. We we'll actually start with magic. Um, arcane magic, in particular, is actually considered an abomination and inferior um, by mind flayers in comparison Love to their own psionic it. power. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. So when they compare it to their own psionic power, it's like they don't they disapprove, right? And they believe it will actually disappear. Once mind flayers regain control of everything, <laughs> so they're like arcane magic. Fuck that. Once we're in power again, it won't exist. They straight up believe it won't exist, and uh, they. But there is speculation that their hatred of arcane uh, stems from the defeat they experienced at the hands of the Gith and during their rebellion. Uh, however, do you want to speak on that at all? Uh, no, uh, because uh, I didn't dive into it because I think that's gonna be left to the the gif episode. Okay, do it. There's um, there's your fucking hook right there. Right like, there. Yeah. Why why does their hatred of arcane magic stem from the gif? I have no fucking idea. Well, considering um, we haven't uh, obviously not gotten to the mechanics yet, but considering the power of mind flayers, if arcane magics were not involved in the gif rebellion, I would be fucking shocked. Uh, because yeah. how else would they have resisted and and managed to not only not only defeat their oppressors of like millennia, I think, uh, but do it in less than a year on an entire plane of existence? Like magic yeah, okay. must be involved, right? So, but I didn't go down that road on purpose. Just right. just to that makes just sense. to save that. Yeah. Um, now, however, uh, so renegade elithids. Specifically, though, we actually seek out wizards and others of arcane magics to find ways in which they could shield themselves from the Elder Brain's influence. Oh, cool. So collectively, arcane magic is like a big no-no. But the one, once you break free, you're like, it's a big yes-yes. Like, you, I, I need that to, like, fucking stave off uh, the influence that once controlled me, you know? Um, I actually, I actually kind of wonder if they, at, at any point, managed to empathize with the slaves that they they you know would normally um, 
bring on and dominate themselves uh, when it comes mm, to these there's your mind flare module hook. right yeah for sure for real um and of course uh learning these arcane ways uh mod would lead to uh, on a mechanical level a mind flare arcanist and while they are technically wizards some mind flayers actually were capable of being born with innate sorcery uh, and these sorcerers... Fuck, yes! Yeah. Where are their stats? <laughs> and the, these uh, mind flayers, they were, like, highly intelligent, higher than natural intelligence, and were actually more resistant to psionic powers and effects. Now, it didn't, it didn't specify if, like, they, they need to be renegade and then born, uh, you know, through their reproduction process um, uh, to become a sorcerer, or if they, this can happen within an elder brain like colony uh, and then they become more resistant and maybe more rebellious like that. I have no idea. Didn't well, we should take a look at how sorcerers work. Well, so um, sorcerers I have mean, a bloodline is the thing. That's, that's yeah. my point yeah. is that like to become a sorcerer and to be born with innate sorcery, you've got to muddle that bloodline, whether it's, you know, right. you're fucking a dragon ancestor, a fae ancestor, or yeah. whatever. Um, but there are a couple of sorcerer ancestries that I'm not particularly familiar with, like dreams. Is that, is that one? No, that's a, that's a druid one. It's okay. like sorcerers have like uh, wild magic, draconic, uh, yeah, draconic bloodline, wild uh, sun soul, uh, divine soul, divine soul. And there's another one, uh, divine soul, shadow magic, storm sorcery. They're 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 quite uh, quite aligned with, um, uh, not necessarily elements, but uh, you know creatures that exist in specific planes. Um, yeah, so I wonder how they would have gotten that right. that ancestral magic is really what sorcery becomes. And, and as but, as we're recording this, uh, Wizards of the Coast has a, in Unearthed Canada playtest material a psionic soul for sorcerers. Yeah, that would make more sense. But also, like again, we haven't dug into mechanics, but maybe they eat the brain of a sorcerer and right. the, the, their their child is born with sorcery. Yeah, I don't know how mind well. flayers that, that, that could that, That's a very good, very good idea. Uh, they, they, could, um, they could end up eating the brain of, of something uh, that actually has a sorcerer bloodline and then it gets passed mm. on. Uh, that's, t- that's totally viable, at, at least in my opinion. Well, we'll see. We'll see a little bit later, I'm sure. Uh, if you look in the Discord, I, I've actually shared with you. It's just flavor flavor image, but it's an image of a of a mind flayer sorcerer. And it looks awesome. Oh, neat! Yeah, it just it looks, does look awesome. It's just great artwork. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. Like the screaming belt buckle is really what does it for me. I'm excited for you to see those listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, aside from the arcane. Mind flayers could use their own psionic powers to craft their own versions of magical items. Yep. <laughs> and uh, they even added safety measures, making them unusable to themselves or their thralls. Uh, some of these items include, uh, there's one called the survival mental, which grants the ability to breathe in a vacuum. Um, there's a mind carapace, uh, armor that protects both body and mind. I have no specific yeah. uh, mechanics on those, but uh, those those. Uh, I mean, one's mage armor and the other is like a circlet of water breathing. Right, <laughs> but a bit, it's, bit, it's bit reinterpreted. Yeah, 
And then yeah. uh, they also could create what we were called psionic seals. So mind flayers could create these seals, uh, essentially tattooing their bodies with seals uh, that in, incorporated psionic abilities and beneficial effects. And uh, doing this actually required a specific discipline known as imprinting psionic circuitry. Uh, this makes me think of like you know how some of the mind flayers would be grouped up within the colony uh, for like like-minded uh, or uh, potentialities of abilities, and right. uh, using the seal did not use up the mind flayer's psionic energy, which is sort of the the key. It's kind of like kind of like a spell scroll essentially, right? And yeah, um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, they could be used like mechanically. They could be used once a day, and a mind flayer could place a maximum of three seals on itself. Um, otherwise, you'd be in, in danger of what's called a short circuit. Like they would just like sort of burn out. Yeah. Uh, okay. So like in in three point five um, and Pathfinder, there's something called a magic tattoo where you can essentially tattoo a spell on you that you can use once per day. Right. Yeah. And these seals, like, so, not only could they be tattooed on you, but they could actually be placed on an inanimate object as well. So like they're they're that perfect in between of like, is it a spell okay. scroll? Is it a tattoo? It's both. You know. Um, so like runes from fourth edition. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, in, in, uh, actually, there's a really great uh, homebrew. I, I don't. Uh, a friend of mine sent it to me. I, I think it's on DM's Guild, and it's called the Armorer's Handbook. And I've, I've mentioned it to you and in our staff on a group before, where it's like it's it's actually what I think is a, a probably an essential five uh, e uh, supplement, although it's not official, and it adds like much needed care for actual weapons and upgrading them on a on a physical and tangible level and it has a whole rune uh inscribing system built into it as well it's really really cool okay uh, well we'll make well, sure we link that in the show notes. yeah for sure it's well worth a read it's awesome it's super cool uh i mean i haven't looked too far into the rune side of it but the actual uh repricing and upgrading like you can just like you can add like a plus one to your attack or plus one to your damage by having a, a proper uh, artisan actually make your weapon better uh, without it having to be magical and it just costs you a certain amount it's it's incredible it's absolutely incredible it's a reasonably reasonably priced like within the game standards and uh, it just makes the game make way more sense uh, especially in, right. especially so, in a low standard or low magic uh, setting um, so bringing back those uh, like masterwork blades and ex- stuff. exactly exactly that like yeah. there's literally mechanics okay. for adding spikes to your armor uh, like properly doing it instead of like there's literally like a feat in in fifth ed the base uh, that that complements spiked armor for the one barbarian uh, archetype, but that's it. Dwarven barbarian. Archetype. Dwarven barbarian. Yeah, and they give you they give you no love other than that. And so this actually like a- applies a cost and a feature outside of the feat that applies to it. It's, it's actually really cool. So uh, highly recommended. Okay. The Armor's Handbook. Um, uh, anyway, examples of these cyanic seals. Uh, just could give you a couple of quick ones. Um, uh, yeah, yeah they please could, do. You know, again, use once per day. Uh, you could, they could suddenly become immune to one attack. Uh, they could uh, reflect a single spell. Uh, immunity, and that's reflect, not deflect. Uh, immunity to non-magical fire. Uh, open normal or mundane locks. Transfer psionic energy from one elithid to another, providing, say, uh, uh, both with the uh, that possess a seal. Um, so it's you know j- basic but like useful things. No, nothing. Yeah, reflect is a big word. Reflect is big. Reflect is a big one. That that's definitely the biggest of the list. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it looks great. I, I love it. Um, yeah. I'm really into these creatures now. <laughs> so cool, man. 
and, and we're not uh, we're, you got we got so much more to go <laughs> yeah yeah i guess one. we do we're now yeah. hour and a half in yeah this is um, not, this is not gonna be a short one okay so talk to me about the religion you mentioned that at the top of this. Right, yeah. So, uh, Ryan Fuller's do not specifically worship entities, uh, especially any from the Outer Plains. Uh, they don't really worship deities. Uh, they don't have that uh, general uh, sort of religious side to them. That being said, that doesn't mean they don't worship things, uh, specifically because of the Elder Brain. Like, the Elder Brain themselves, they sort of worship. And, like, they don't have any uh, sort of thoughts uh, on the afterlife. Instead, most of them, especially okay. if they're under the influence of the other brain, uh, when they die, like their their dream is to sort of merge with the other brain so that they can right. be a part of, they can share their life experience and, and be a part of those who have merged before. So we're assuming the worshippers of Thune in this are the rebels, right? Uh, yeah, they, they definitely are uh, a sort of more renegade and re- rebellious uh, yeah, side Yeah, right, renegades. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So they're they're the minority, absolutely. And so, okay, returning to this elder brain, you know, uh, was was amazing uh, for them. And uh, but for for this to happen, it meant that the, the dead mind flayer's brain actually had to be consumed by the elder brain. And while this was not always, you know, it just didn't happen. They didn't just die in the elder brain tank. So uh, they would actually take some time, and they would, it was actually a bit of a ceremony. And they would store brains in uh, funerary jars known as brain canisters. <laughs> um, I just sent you a piece. Just killing of, it with the naming convention. Right, yeah. I, I sent you a, a, a piece of art of, of, a, of a mind flare placing a brain in one of these jars. And it's super cool. Oh, that doesn't look too bad yeah. at all. It's very, very, yeah, it's very, they are, like, the brain canister doesn't do it justice. A funerary jar actually does. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I think the, bull might be a better word, <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, so these these uh, these bowls, if you will, uh, would actually be detailed uh, in full biographical sense with inscriptions in Qualith. Uh to right. like detail the, the life of of the mind flayers, uh, you know, whose brain possessed or was, was occupied uh, this uh, brain canister. Now, despite all of this, despite this being sort of the general consensus of like how they go about it, uh, they do revere, uh, to a degree, two separate manifestations uh, that represent psionic ideals. Okay. Uh, so, not necessarily a worship. To some degree, maybe some do worship, but like you know, there is there are a couple entities in the universe that, that they they do revere, and uh, one is called I'm gonna prob- definitely gonna say this Ilsensin or Ilsensin. Um, aka the Tentacled Lord, or the Great Brain. Uh, it is believed by some Elithids to be their great creator, and it is cold, calculating, and this entity uses magic and psionics to pull information from the minds of mortals to ma- manipulate events as it see fits, and it does this through what is apparently uh, an infinite number of tentacles with an infinite length of reach that extends to all planes. This is fucking Cthulhu, if there ever was one. <laughs> and um, uh, Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I really dig it. Um, yeah. 
I'm I'm confused by its use of magic and the Illithids' um, aversion to arcane magic, but right. I mean, it's, a, it's specifically it's magic and psionics. So, like, I mean, and this is yeah. like a much greater entity. So, uh, it probably doesn't. Again, it's cold and calculating, so it probably doesn't have the the sort of standoffishness that the uh, right. average mortal mind flayer might have. Uh, and, and I wonder if the Illithids. Um, if it's not so much a reverence for magic as it is a hatred, I mean, I mean, yeah, especially mind flayers, they they have a, a personal um, fear or 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 uh, hatred for magic, or especially again, arcane specifically. Um, and uh, while this definition or this description of this tentacled lore doesn't specify what kind of magic. Uh, it stands to reason well, it's that probably not divine, <laughs> right? It's probably yeah. You're probably not wrong there. <laughs> it, uh, it probably so does. That's what I mean. Yeah, but it probably does stand to reason if... that it, it it doesn't have the same reservations as as the mortal uh, uh, as the mortal uh, mind flayers because they have a, a more yeah. tangible history of of, of uh, facing magic, whereas this thing probably just doesn't care either way. And that's why I wonder if it's less a hatred and more of a reverence for for magic, right? For like arcane magic specifically, mm-hmm. as opposed to um, like like a just just a fear. Maybe it's a fear and respect. Well, so uh, that actually brings me to the next point that I have here is that the reverence comes from the regard of this entity because it is believed to be imb- the embodiment of the mastery of one's mind. Oh, um, uh. which I mean, which is such a I, I kind of didn't really like. Think about this so much. It, it's funny how much you, you relay this information and it, com- it do- kind of dawns on you. I do have a queen of the it's, it's a bit ironic that mind flayers are enslaved to the elder brain and then they thus in- enslave others, uh, but they regard in, in mass quantity this entity um, that uh, em- em- again embodies the mastery over one's mind. You know, it's, yeah. it's like this constant, unachievable goal. Uh, within their society that they revere. Yeah, it's very much a cycle of slavery and revolution all in in a single life. And and their own personal slavery was the result of being on the losing side of a revolution, of a rebellion, you know? It is a fucking crazy cycle. uh, What the, what these creatures have gone through. And I don't think they deserve any amount of sympathy uh, especially with no. the with the vague uh, vague uh, origins and their love for slavery and dominance, but uh, but it is an extraordinary concept to behold, where you know they they really are going in circles. Yeah, they really are really well. Sorry, they really are fantastically um, portrayed in mm-hmm. in their lore. Like it's yeah. it's really fantastic. Like the, how much how much more of this is is it than than you expected? Like, it's uh, almost all of it. Like yeah. I knew it was gonna run deep, but it, there's yeah. so much more to this. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's so cool, you know. Um, so like uh, the and this uh, this uh, uh, scene, if you will, uh, this this tentacled lord. Um, it also represented the union or combining of universal knowledge, which falls straight into what the elder brain does, the hive mind. You know, so. Even that is at odds. Uh, what what it's supposed to represent and embody, uh, and some actually interpreted 
this representation, like, uh, uh, sorry, some of these colonies, some of the different colonies of Mind Flayers, because they, they, you know, they are run by uh, unique elder brains. They interpret it in different ways. You know, some interpret yeah. the representation as a promise of power and dominance over others, uh, making the worship of this entity, like, you know, sort of shared with non illithid uh, creatures, so, like evil mages and psionicists, uh, was was the specific word used? Like you know, would actually share uh, the reverence for this creature under that interpretation, while others saw it as uh, not a promise, but a way, of, uh, as a, a path or a way of achieving power and dominance uh, through dominating and even replacing other deities associated with any kind, any kind of knowledge. And uh, I shit you not, in the Forgotten Realms wiki, when you read that sort of section knowledge is a link and you click it and it gives you a long list of gods related to any kind of knowledge tier oh i believe them. it and uh you know famously tier and it's like you know it's like shit like this thing represents well, to some mind flayers that dominating and replacing these this long list of deities is what it what it's about you know like fuck like they they, they their do- their wish for dominance knows no bounds at the end of the day. Crazy. You're such a rich like I'm I'm in awe of the lore that's been built up over these creatures cuz like right. we've seen with some others the lore kind of backtracks or um uh erases past editions lore. Mm. But the deeper we get into this, the more they've uh, wizards has seemed to have taken their time to really build upon the lore that TSR wrote for these creatures, and I, right. it's it's really incredible to see how they've been built up over the years, it's, and and how yeah. it's changed, and how it's not just like I love that none of it's steadfast. It's like yeah, this may be what some of them believe because it's not about it being true or false. It's about it being lore, and that's right. something I've always really admired yeah. about wizards. Yeah. Is is the, the the separation between fact and lore and mm-hmm. all of their stuff is lore. Like right. none of it is fact. None of it is steadfast, true throughout the ages, and that's one of the many, many reasons yeah. that I love this game. They give so. you many avenues to, 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 to sort of try to cross and follow. Yeah. Or it's really cool. More importantly to yeah. change it, to yeah. adapt it. Like there's yeah. there uh, I think Matt Coville was the first person who, who said it. Um to me, anyway, hmm. is that everything you read in a D and D book isn't isn't a map; it's a guideline. Right? Yeah, hundred percent. The yeah. the deeper we get into these lore, specifically these creatures that have a really rich and historical lore, it really really brings that point to the surface to me. That you know, you know, maybe maybe you've got a, a colony of mind flayers led by an elder brain. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've got a colony of mind flayers led by a mind flare. Maybe you've right. got a colony of mind flayers who are, you know, uh, devotants to uh, Thune. Maybe you've got a colony who are ill sensing, or maybe you've got a colony to uh, whatever this next word you have written is. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe maybe you have a colony uh, of mo- a multitude of creatures led by a single mind flare, a mind flare, but none of yeah. the creatures are a mind flare. <laughs> like you know, like they've really gone out of their. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Wizards has really gone out of their way to make it easy for yeah. you to make this whatever the fuck you want it to be. And that's that's really the spirit of this game. The spirit of mm-hmm. D&D to me is the fact that it can be whatever the fuck you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of other the games that we play and a lot of a lot of the reasons that I like Pathfinder so much 
um, as a player is because it can't be whatever I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about this before, but yeah. D&D really is a Dungeon Master's game because yeah. it's whatever the fuck you want it to be. <laughs> just, just fucking go to town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just go for yeah, it. For and I, I love use, seeing use that Use these really rules and through. do what you want. Yeah, like use these rules. Even the rules themselves are a guideline. And it's so yeah. cool. Yeah. And we'll touch on that a little bit in Oblix, actually, about like yeah. some rules that I thought were steadfast that I've spent my entire you know five years DMing <laughs> that I thought that were steadfast that might be variant rules. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, I have I have some comments on variant rules. That's for sure. Like you know, the, uh, I won't get into it. Maybe maybe we'll cover it in uh, in Oblix, uh, which, by the way, listeners, is is the next episode following this one. Uh, yes, that but, is correct. Um, uh, yeah, like, uh, when it comes to like uh, variant or optional rules, if you will, um, you know, I, I have some I have some pros and cons uh, that have recently developed uh, in, in my in my recent playing uh, that I, I can't wait to discuss. Actually, yeah. Um, so, but we'll, we'll we'll jump back in to the second. Yeah, pronounce uh, this word for me. <laughs> a very a lesser second and lesser revered manifestation. Uh, I believe it's called uh, Manzikorian. Um, and it is the embodiment of complete comprehension of knowledge and shared simultaneous access of memories, thoughts, and intellectual aptitude. It is quickly uh, what I would interpret it, uh, an elder brain to aspire to. But also an abolith, right? Um, so, so this is the cloud. <laughs> this is the cloud, <laughs> exactly. Except that the cloud, unbeknownst to the followers of it, is actually dead, and it was killed by Tenebris, who was the undead shadow of the demon lord Ar- Orcus. Uh, <laughs> I love the lore of Tenebris, by the way. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I didn't look into it. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's your next uh, big um, uh, Patreon exclusive episode. We could cover Tenebris oh and all that. Uh, I mean, we have to cover Orcus. I barely know anything about Orcus, but basically, uh, this, Orcus is my favorite demon lord. This lesser manifestation, uh, you know, lesser revered manifestation uh, of the mind, mind flayers, uh, is actually dead. It actually it died. Uh, it was killed by Tenebris. Uh, and um, uh, but the followers didn't really realize it. It still maintained a following. And in fact, over a century after, so this is where I, I said earlier, uh, or at some point where I'll, uh, I think it was in the in the in the Patreon episode, where it's like a lot of things happen around for, uh, somewhere in fourteen or fifteen dr. Uh, right. So within those two centuries, so I know it's it's like it's like fourteenth century dr. Uh, he was killed or it was killed, and then sometime in fifteenth century dr. Uh, it had a it had a resurgence of followers, despite the fact that it's dead. So like Crazy. it's like no one knows that it died. <laughs> I, again, I didn't dive into it, but uh, that there's that. And so there's uh, not a whole lot of need to yeah. dive into it. That's just some contributing writer to D and D thinking that right. Oh, uh, are we going to go with Mainzikorian or Monzikorian? <laughs> Mon- I'm um, I'm going Monzikorian. I think the Double second A should make the first A hard. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going off of uh, the Star Wars planet of Manan, which is M-A-N-A-A-N, Manan. So I'm going with the ah uh, because it's two A's. But uh, isn't there an apostrophe in between the two is, A's? In there that, is though? not in Manan. No. Oh, okay. No. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it's because some D&D contributor thought Monzacorian was fucking dope. Right. That's what yeah. happened. Like, yeah, for sure. It's not like they planned this. It's like somebody's, you know, five or right. ten or two editions or three editions later was like, yeah. Yeah. Nah, this one's cool. I'm going to use this one. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, what, one last comment on this one, too, and it's actually, I forgot, I actually forgot about this note, and it's so good that I, I made that interpretation as I was reading it to you about the, uh, the connection of, you know, Elder Brains and Abolis, but uh, basically some Mind Flayer colonies actually considered the perfect memories of Abolis to be the, man, uh, the manifestation of Manzikorian. Uh, but of course, I think the, uh, I assume that the Abolis didn't agree, so it actually inevitably led to conflicts between the two i love that yeah. I, I love the idea of there being like this secret war between the last of the mind flayers and the last of the abolists underground somewhere absolutely yeah uh there's your adventure hook <laughs> is that is that our new slogan there's your adventure hook <laughs> i mean enjoy <laughs> i think it should be like let's just put it on a t-shirt encounter this there's your adventure oh, hook. The, see now that's actually a great idea. I love that. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll uh, we'll reach out to our logo designer and and, and get those made yes. up. And we'll With throw more them on, Patreon uh, subscriptions, we can afford to create T-shirts and and even masks during the COVID pandemic that say "Encounter true. This." Here's your adventure hook. <laughs> <laughs> you know you want it. You know you want it. Okay, Freeman. We've talked about the religion, the community, the physical description, the generality. What else? What else do we have to know about mind flayers? What else is there to learn? Well, let's 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 tackle the ecology. <laughs> <laughs> you say that so trepidatiously. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't end. It doesn't. These guys don't end. Uh, this is it this is, is probably so exactly why listeners. Baldur's Gate Three is like the is covering uh, elithids because there is so, so much here uh, in in the Patreon episode. Uh, we sort of. Uh, touched on how Spelljammer just sort of like was pseudo abandoned by wizards. I mean, it was, it's technically was discontinued before they bought the rights, but they've only touched briefly on it, but they did not, they fucking did not abandon mind flares and elithids that that's to be fucking certain. Uh, and (laughs) so we're going to talk about the ecology. We're going to start with the physiology of a mind flare. Um, (laughs) Uh, I've kind of broken this up intentionally. Uh, we could have talked about this in the physical description uh, and, and or personality and stuff like that, but this is a little, it is technically more specific under physiology uh, because they mainly feed on brains. We, we kind of got that already, uh, but these brains need to be sentient, uh, sentient creatures. Uh, mainly they were humanoids, and uh, it was actually the only kind of nourishment that could sustain a mind flare. It has to be a sentient creature's brain with a reasonable amount of intelligence. And the brain needs to, uh, the brain was needed to uh, provide the appropriate amount of hormones, enzymes, and psychic energy. uh, Okay. In order for it to survive. In fact, Brie, in fact, feeding on these brains was a euphoric experience for the mind flare as it absorbed the victims memories personalities and even fears and on top of this the mind flares also viewed the practice as the ultimate form of dominance over another which is we loosely covered in the personality section because they uh it was the closest they could come to happiness 
You know, they experience nothing but negative yeah. emotions. So it's a literal euphoric experience, like like an orgasm. You know, it's just like poof, your brain just explodes uh, while e- while, e- while eating this brain. <laughs> there are some so. human cultures, if I remember my history correctly, who believe that to be true. Uh, I I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it at all. Um, a euphoric uh, experience can come from many things, that's for sure, uh, and, and on many levels. Um, oh, I meant specifically the dominance part. Oh, the, oh, the yes. dominance, yeah, for sure. Also that. For sure. Uh, <laughs> our brains are working at different wavelengths, James. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? Oh, my God. This episode's so long and it's so late, and I've had more than my fair share of beer. <laughs> I just cracked my last one because I could not wait to oh. the ad break. Oh no! Okay, I have. I actually, I actually just cracked one, but I, I bought a backup so we could record the clack, the crack. You record That's the good. crack. I don't even know if I'm going to end up fish, finishing this. That's we can just fine. steal the crack from another episode. <laughs> no way. This is kind of. Oh, we've already had one crack in, but we'll have a second one. It's it's a thing. Um, Authentic. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so so feeding on these uh, these brains, um, they actually would obtain traces of the victim's individuality uh, through the psionic energy. Uh, and it would impact the mind flayer's sense of culture and aesthetic as well. So they would actually absorb like this sort of culture and aesthetic information from their victims. And at least <laughs> one intelligent brain a month was needed for a mind flayer to remain healthy. Uh, okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, if they went longer, just, they suffered malnutrition, and if, if with, a, with four months of deprivation of an intelligent brain, they straight up died. Uh, yeah, the math adds up on that, I think. Mm-hmm. They, they, I just love the idea of, like, you know, you go out to dinner one night, you have a steak, and as you're eating the steak, you're like, hmm, I think I like Rembrandt now. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, <laughs> I didn't interpret it that way, but now I wish I had. It is it is silly on the surface, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Uh but I mean also you ever had I mean, spaghetti and meatballs so good you really liked Bach now? My, like But my first my first interpretation of it was actually like, you know, they they observed the knowledge of it, not not the not the preference for art. You know, it's like, oh, now I, I have a bit more information or insight on, like, this this human, and that's from Waterdeep, and right. you know, what it is that, that matters in that culture. I mean, I, I guess to your point that that's less silly. Uh, like, no. I once had a schnitzel so good I could rhyme <laughs> off all of Beethoven's symphonies. I mean, so that's silly. Uh, <laughs> that, that schnitzel has to be from Germany, first of all. <laughs> if it's not, it's called something else. <laughs> I mean, so schnitzel from Italy is a Parmesan, like <laughs> right? I chose that word pretty specifically. <laughs> you would, fucking chef. But <laughs> <sighs> um, uh, that's not that's that's mostly it on physiology. Uh, that was a bit of a tease, to be honest. Um, the the most important part of the ecology of these creatures is the reproduction, um, and it's not uh, fun. It's not a fun thing, reproduction. <laughs> not, not like, not like we. I like how you just tacked the lithids honestly on there. <laughs> um, 
So lithids themselves are sexless. They have no male or female biology. Um, okay. So I, I think I corrected myself maybe at least at least once, maybe twice earlier uh, on saying uh, uh, he or or these guys or whatever. Uh, they yeah, are, you've done a good job about it. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, they are very much a they. Uh, actually, playing Starfinder has been helpful with that because it's a very common theme, you know, like age, gender, yeah. androids, and that sort of thing. There's lots of races Z. that encompass that. And um, so uh, the... Um, uh, yeah, they, they are very much days, and uh, only once or twice in their life will they lay a clutch of eggs, uh, which will eventually hatch in a tadpole. So there doesn't really seem to be any sort of um, insemination or fertilization process. So they hatch in these tadpoles, and these tadpoles are actually kept in the elder brain tank. They actually were fed brains uh, by designated caretakers. Uh, but they would also engage in cannibalism, these tadpoles. And they would do this for around 10 years before they okay. matured. And any who survived were put through what is called ceramorphosis. And it is a, it is a bit ceremonial, but it's, it is a bit more sort of like tangible, I guess, uh, in which they are implanted into a humanoid victim uh, and after which they devour the humanoid's brain. So again, that Baldur's Gate three trailer that I yeah, had you watch. I was just thinking that you're sort of watching that, like you're watching these tadpoles like invade the eye of these victims. And what what's happening? Um, I'm not sure how long after, but eventually after. And I think one of the the hooks to the story in in that game that's not displayed in the trailer is that um, one, if not several, of your party members. Uh, are actually on a time limit because they they have these in their head, and right. these tadpoles devour the brain of these humanoids, and then they take the brain's place and transform the body into an illithid or mind flare. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Now, on a rare occurrence, a tadpole will actually produce what is known as a ulithrid. That that's the pronunciation I'm going with. Um, but I don't know 100% sure, but I think Ulithrid is, is, is valid. It and, seems safe. Yeah, it's a safe one. Uh, and that t- uh, loosely translates in another comment to Noble Devourer. Uh, so again, if you actually look at sort of how the word is breaking out, Ulithid versus Ulithrid, uh, there's some common elements in there. And we had Mind Flare or Mind Ruler earlier. And now we have Noble Devourer. So it's almost like devourer is sort of somewhere in place with flare and ruler um yeah i don't think they had a linguist design these words at all because they're fucking broke <laughs> i could i mean sure uh but i i like to i like to be the i love to be the apologist let's be honest i love to be the apologist and i like to look at that shit you know uh you know and and i think i think it, it sort of fits uh if it at least fits the motif um, i think i think you're not wrong right I think the id um, or the lith could be, you know, um, some some form of ruler or noble. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, isn't that great? Because, like, you know, we, we were discussing, like, how does flare and, and ruler uh, work? But then you also have devourer, which sort of sits in well with flare, but noble, which also sits in well with, with ruler. Um, I, I think it's got to be noble and ruler mm-hmm. um, because they're, they're, I, I, I mean, I guess I don't know, but the, the lith and the id are the only two like 
yeah. commonalities oh, yeah. of those two words. And the words are built completely insanely around those two parts. Right. Yeah. So it, it it's hard to add that up when, you know, what what is the true translation of a lithid? Is it mind flare or is it mind ruler? And bear in mind, let's let's try not to get too far into it because we're getting so long here, but there, there's yeah, we're gonna yeah, get a couple other sure. words thrown in that's gonna make us speculate more on how this how this is constructed in, in undercommon. Yeah, so. I don't think they got an etymologist <laughs> in on this at all. Yeah. And I think they just oh, fucking we should made contact this shit Helen up. Zoltzman and see what she thinks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll tweet at Helen about That'd this. That'd be amazing. <laughs> what do you think the commonality in these words are? <laughs> so good. Uh, but anyway, these eulithrids, um, they are basically versions of mind flayers that are bigger, stronger, and more cunning. So not unlike the, these followers of Thune, but they do have a specific physical attribute in which the, they have six tentacles in their face as opposed to the usual four. Uh, but most okay. importantly, they could not be controlled by the elder brain that they were produced under or on elder brain at all to be honest interesting they were immune to that that control uh and elder brains actually begrudgingly allowed eulithrids to spawn and exist within their colonies and for a very particular reason uh their standoffishness to these things was because they were a potential rival to their sort of perfect hive mind colony but the acceptance comes from the fact that uh, eulithrids spawn inevitably produced a boom in mind flare population. And uh, there was always a, a presumed exit that the eulithrid would take. And they would only okay. take a few mind flares with them. Not, not too many. Um, but the rivalry and the, the sort of cautionary approach comes from the fact that the eulithrid will ultimately turn into its own elder brain. Okay, um, so they're bigger, stronger, faster, and more virile. Right, uh, and so interesting. These like eulithrids. Th- this is sort of how alter- all alternate mind flare colonies come to exist. It's through these eulithrids. Um, they uh, they have to happen. They are rare, but they do have to happen, and they sort of have to be put up with because uh, the elder brain ultimately uh, wins with a larger population. Uh, but they do also allow a rival to exist somewhere else. For the greater good. For the greater good. <laughs> um, <laughs> amazing. Now, uh, there is a whole element in regards to the tadpoles in which if they grow too old. Um, and this, of course, would happen. Uh, they reach maturity, but they do not undergo the seromorphosis. Uh and this is usually because the uh, mindfuller colony is attacked and destroyed, or historically the empire is, is, is destroyed. And um, so they will actually continue to grow uh, and grow a bit out of control. And they will turn into what's called a, uh, I'm going with, um, uh, a lithocyte. Uh, yeah, and, that looks right. Yeah, and they'll sort of crawl about looking for psychic energies to feed on. Um, they're an abomination, according to uh, the Mind Flayers, uh, but certainly uh, something to consider. And uh, But if they are set in a tank with enough tadpoles for too long, uh, it'll get worse. And they oh. will... Uh, cannibalize and feed and feed and feed until they become what's called, I'm going with a neothelid. Uh, 
and uh, there's no way. <laughs> oh. I'm trying to stick to a theme of pronunciation here. <laughs> Neothelids. <laughs> it, it's got to be neo. Well, I mean, neo neo is the the prefix. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be pronounced neo, right? Although, although I, I can't give you any examples uh, against it <laughs> off the top of my head, uh, but that that's my argument. <laughs> um, uh, and maybe yeah, maybe it actually right. comes from maybe it actually comes from uh, this other thing where where so like the tadpoles uh, they uh, instead instead of going under the process of seromorphosis they go under a different process called neoteny, or just N E O T E N Y. I have no other way to pronounce that neoteny. A neoteny works for me. Um, in which they basically cannibalize to the point where they become uh, the size of a dog. Uh, and this, this really will only happen if the elder brain in the tank is totally absent. Otherwise, they'll, they'll sort of stave themselves off to a degree. Uh, but once okay. they become the size of a dog, they will like sort of exit the tank. They'll hunt rats, vermin, whatever they can find. They'll fo- they, they have no ability to dig on their own, so they'll follow whatever tunnels exist. Uh, but they will grow bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where... Uh, they will actually have to rely on the tunnels dug by purple worms because of their size. Wow. Yep. And so they're... They're... Gar- gargantuan. Huge? Gargantuan. gargantuan. They're literally gargantuan. In fact, they were des- they're described as gargantuanly... Uh, gargantuan leviathans. Um, they're okay. absolutely massive. Um, they go... They end up undergoing a similar process after this similar to seromorphosis, uh, especially once they finally consume a sentient mind. And it actually grants them self-awareness and psionic abilities. And uh, they become voracious and... Sorry, they basically always are voracious and destructive. They tirelessly search out living creatures to devour the brains of. And all living creatures should or do consider these creatures their enemy. Every single one. It's like to that degree. They are purple worms with a fucking conscience uh, and an evil one at that. And they're often mistaken for purple worms, even even in their uh, sort of physicality, because I mean, they're rare enough, right? Um, yeah. But they share abilities with their mind flyer kin. Inclu- it, they share abilities with their mind flyer kin, including the ability to levitate at will, sensing sentience, resisting magic, and even possessing blindsight. These so these creatures do exist in 5e. Uh, um, do. No, they do. They do, um, yeah. Yeah, but look at, listeners, look up the 3e art. We'll make sure we have it on the um, on the Discord. Oh, uh, they're, they're incredible. Yeah. Yeah. They look amazing. They're, yeah. they're, uh, they're, they're, they're one of the most intimidating things I've ever read in my life, when it comes, especially when it comes to this game. Um, yeah, a couple specific notes to them, uh, without getting into like stat blocks is that they, uh, not only they have all the things I said that, I mean, they, they could use telekinesis, they could break the minds of their prey and they could use acid to decay the bodies of their prey while still leaving the brain behind and unharmed to be devoured. Jesus Christ. However, if they, uh, they would try to swallow the prey whole if they could. But they always resisted the urge to regurgitate their prey. Always. Uh, meaning, if they were damaged from within, you could actually escape if it didn't kill you. Um, they would not puke you up, <laughs> if you will. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> they do not do it. 
uh, probably from like an innate like sort of bestial uh, necessity to like make sure that brain stays within them. Yeah, no doubt. Like that's that's so intense. I mean, we have a, a few a few uh, things to cover. A few, just a few more things to cover um, before we get into mechanics. But um, there are entities called known as ceramorphs. Um, basically, humanoids were the only viable option for proper ceramorphosis to actually create another mind flayer, uh, and I mean specific humanoids. Uh, but this did not stop mind flayers from actually experimenting a whole bunch. They love to experiment. Um, that is so true. <laughs> and uh, they would implant tadpoles and all kinds of things and it resulted in into into various things uh a lot of which we're not going to uh dive into deeply at all uh but i will share a lot of uh, artwork on the on the instagram related to uh, but if they Fantastic. uh yeah if they were to uh, implant tadpoles into a dragon you get a brain stealer dragon if you get into a beholder, a mind witness, which is a creature we'll totally cover, probably alongside a number of these um, other elithids uh, relation in on a more mechanical yeah. level. Um, if they uh, play into a deep gnome, they would get what's called a mazgrikin. Uh, there was lizard folk, they would get uh, tzakandi, uh, chul, even the chul, the fucking... Uh, Crazy, the chul. Chul, yeah, they would get uchulan. Uh, ropers, uh, uh, Europeans, I'm going with. <laughs> They're just spitballing here. Um, yeah, that feels right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, of course, some experimentations resulted uh, in straight up monsters. Uh, so these were like, you know, pseudo, uh, pseudo mind flayer kin. Uh, literally, ceramorphs is supposed to mean or uh, flayer kin. And uh, so these ones were like straight up monsters. They could create uh, brain golems. There's some insane artwork for them. Um, they're like large human shaped constructs. Uh, and they were made from nothing but brain tissue. And they could. You know, I love golems, <laughs> but I do not want to see that art. They, they actually could just sprout from an elder brain for either a specific task or for defense. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, they just like fucking sprout out. Uh, there's cranium rats and intellect devourers, uh, which we'll definitely eventually cover. Cranium rats, like quick, quick fact on them. Uh, they just like they are created from being bombarded by sonic energies in the area, and the more cranium rats in a swarm, the more intelligent the swarm becomes as a collective. Cranium rats are wicked dangerous. They're so cool, man. <laughs> Intellect of ours, literally just a slave's brain that's modified to sprout legs and be they're just used as guards and like lures for outsiders. Uh, like they're hilarious looking, but like terrifying. Um there's a mind worm that resembles like small purple worms, but they're still huge in size mechanically. Uh, and they have the unique ability, and this is insane. This is fucking insane. They have the unique ability to attack any creature through a reflective surface, even across planes. Yep. Want that. More of that, please. That's that's insane. <laughs> uh, there's also nerve swimmers, modified tadpoles that are used as torture devices instead of reproduction. Also more of that, please. <laughs> that's fantastic. And then a Nyrala golem. 
uh, not entirely unlike the brain golem, but they did not require brain tissue to create. They were actually partially humanoid and far more numerous and powerful than brain golems. <laughs> so you love the brain golem. Imagine this one. <laughs> um, I feel like that's probably just a lobotomized human. <laughs> <laughs> so you're probably not far off. Of course, there's oblexes, which we'll cover in the next episode, uh, in which uh, the you know they're basically it's the result of their experimentations on oozes. Um, they are fucking cool, yeah. and I'm super excited for it. I won't, uh, I won't say I, any I also, I small correction halfway through the episode, mm-hmm. um, it is actually pronounced Oblex. Oblex. All right. Yeah. All right. Which I hate. I hate so I don't mind. much. I don't mind. That's how it's pronounced. All right. Oblex. 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 We'll get that, we'll get that in while we can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I can't <laughs> wait to mispronounce this one. Elithidae. Um... Uh, no, I think you nailed that. Yeah, okay. Uh, basically, an a, a encompassing term for animals and creatures that actually originated alongside mind flayers. So meaning they, they, they likely came from the same origins and sort of traveled with them, whatever those origins were. There's no specifics, but it is believed that gas spores under the fungi section uh, by some scholars might be elithidae. So originating with the mind flayers. Uh, and then finally, we have... Anything, uh, a couple undead related mind flayers, uh, particularly the Alhoun, uh, which again we will cover with uh, with some of the others, and um, uh, these are the result of a mind flayer that follows the path of a wizard or the arcane arts and manages to achieve a sort of what you call a lesser lichdom, uh, and then there are. There are actually extraordinary means and powerful magics in in a case in which a in which a mind flare wizard could actually uh, become what's known as a litholich. Uh, like a I hate the hate it hate <laughs> it so much. Like a proper full lich, but also a mind flare. Uh, yeah, no, I love that. Yeah. I just I fucking hate that. <laughs> uh, but it, these were actually so rare. It was specified it's so rare that. Uh, most did not know the distinction between them and a regular lich. Like, they were bas- oh, wow. basically considered, like, you know, the same. Uh, they definitely weren't, but they were so rare that no one knew the difference. Man, uh, could you imagine a mind flare that followed Vecna that hard? <laughs> imagine. <laughs> yeah. And lastly, on this long list of uh, Ceramorphs and Monsters, there's, there is technically a, a, what's called a vampiric elithid. Uh, falling under this under, undead category, um, but they were basically completely feral, uh, in some way vampirically touched, origins completely unknown, uh, and uh, they were extremely rare as well. Um, they uh, had barely had any intelligence at all, and just like were basically obsessed with finding fresh blood and fresh brains, and that's it. There is some pretty cool art for them. Uh, there, I think they only appear in. In 3E, but uh, they're just, they just look like emaciated, like, mind flares. They sound incredible. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll make sure we get some art of those up on the uh, oh, they, the they, old Graham. The old Graham's going to be coated with art and uh, over the course of the, the upcoming and probably after uh, the launch of this episode. Um, Excellent. Yeah, That's fantastic. So, uh, just there's just so much. There's just so much here. It's it's insane. So th- thanks, but also fuck you, Josh. Uh, <laughs> it's been such a process. But like, man, you had no I, idea. I love it. It's so it's so good.
And I guess that means you know what time it is, listeners. <gasps> is it is it mechanics time? Well, it's before we get into that, let's let's thank our unofficial official sponsor of Encounter This, Strange Fellows Brewing, located in Vancouver, BC. Strange Strange Fellows Brewing. Don't let the name okay. fool you. They're quite nice. <laughs> they are. I mean, one or they two are. of them are I'm sure are strange, but <laughs> I've no doubt. I don't know if I ever said this on here before, but uh, apparently the story goes that the the owners um, were out uh, with their uh, per- respective wives or partners uh, for dinner, and one of the wives just said, "You guys are a couple of strange fellas," and they're like, "Hey, that's that's what we'll name it." <laughs> I mean, that's pretty so, much how this came about. Yeah. <laughs> You guys got voices, uh, faces good enough for radio. <laughs> yeah. That's what my dad's always told me. Yeah. Every, every time he calls me now, he's like, "You, you know, you've got you've got the voice for radio." It's like, that's, I don't know if that's a compliment, Dad. I and yeah. I, I know you're listening to this, Dad, and I, I appreciate it, and I love you, and I'm sure it is a compliment. But uh, mechanics. And, uh, I know that my mother is not listening to this. Uh, um, yeah, my dad. But, uh, she's proud of me, nonetheless. Sure. <laughs> her, her boy can do no wrong. <laughs> yeah. My dad doesn't understand it, nor does he want to. But you know, yeah. he, he likes radio. He's the one who got me into audio dramas. So, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, he's single-handedly responsible for my fascination with audio. Like I can point to that exact moment in my life. <gasps> Amazing! That's super cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah. Let's talk about mechanics of of the classic. Main baddie, the mind flayer. The mind flayer. Cut that the out. Fl- <laughs> flayer of the mind. Uh, what uh, what, C- what CR is your guess that these guys are? Um, I I know what CR. I I know they're a little bit lower, and I hate it. Mm. But like, yeah. I want them to be like a CR sixteen or seventeen. Like, I want this to be a campaign yeah. boss. But I'm sure they're probably <laughs> closer to like like eleven. Yeah. Uh, no, they're even lower than that. How much lower? Like disappointing amount lower? Yeah, they're CR7. These are now, even like a mid-campaign <laughs> bad guy. <laughs> but bear in mind, all these things we've, we've just talked about, uh, they are not really solo creatures, right? That's you true. might encounter them uh, and come across them you know, at certain points, uh, serving the bear being rogue or something like that, but... Uh, their their power, their terrifying nature comes from like the collective hive mind, right? The elder brain, the colony. Right. Um, like a cover of mind flayers. Yeah, they're not potent uh, single uh, creatures. They also don't uh, appear to be uncommon, which I, I'm starting to realize is a theme in D and D is that the more common mm-hmm. the creature is, the higher or the lower the CR is. So as as you know, like uh, some some. Mm-hmm. A creature that gathers in societies and cities and stuff. Like it, right. it makes sense that it's kind of that middling CR. Yeah, because and, they they need uh, if the, if there's more of them, it's usually because they need more to be around in order to survive more appropriately. Because they aren't as effective on their own. Right. 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 So anything that sorts of build up build up a colony or or a, a, a dependence on each other or civilization or something like that, they're they're bound to ha- to be powerful through collective strength as opposed to single. Right. Fair. Well, let's with the exception of course player characters who become all basically gods by the time they're level ten. So, <laughs> yeah, pretty close. That's when they start the heroic tier. Yeah, seriously. Uh, or is that mythic? That might be. 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't speak old school D&D. Um, <laughs> especially after this many beers. Uh, okay, so as since they're called a mind flare, I don't imagine they're particularly buff. Like, I don't see these... You know, I don't see a body flare variant around here. So. Right, yeah. What, I think what are we looking at where, for stats? I think it's where we, we, we'd, we'd find the eulithrids. You know, somewhere in there where, where they're like the bigger, bulkier, you know, you know, not really enslaved by the elder brain. The rarer ones, they can turn right. out. I think they're a bit bu- bigger and bulkier stat-wise. Uh, but for now, yeah, you're looking at like 12 con, 11 strength, 12 dex. They're not physically, you know, very dangerous. No. Um, in fact, they're the exact opposite of that. I did yeah. a survey once and <laughs> I have a 12 dex. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> And you cycle everywhere. <laughs> I, I used to. Now I just sit. <laughs> and of course, their intelligence is quite high. Uh, you're looking at like a 19, uh, Wisdom 17, Charisma 17. Okay. So that end of the spectrum, they're 17 they're Charisma. Yeah, yeah. I did not picture that for something that's essentially got a squid yeah. for a face. Well, I mean, not only they are hyper intelligent, but they do rely on this sort of manipulation of others, right? Uh, and right. so that charisma, I would imagine, is going to lean further into you know various abilities that, that rely on that. Okay. Um, well, let's 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 look deeper at that then. What um, um, any, anything well, to, of note uh, of the skills I, or the I saving tell you, throws? It's going to be disappointing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, so uh, yeah, like so the so saving throws, all three of those, uh, you know, essentially have proficiency added to them. So you're getting a plus seven for int, plus six uh, for wisdom and charisma. Uh, and then uh, proficiency is dumped into a few skill sets as well. So Arcana uh, being one, Deception and Persuasion for the Charisma, Insight and Perception for the Wisdom, and they get a little bit to the Stealth as well. Um, so you're looking at anywhere between plus seven and plus four between between all those, mostly plus sixes from the Wisdom. Okay. But um, yeah, nothing nothing too uh, extraordinary, but you know certainly lines up. Very flavorful ones. Like how often are you actually having a conversation with a mind flare? I mean, it, it's not not that it couldn't happen, but you know it's uh, it's a tough one. Honestly, I imagine that every time you would have a conversation with a mind flare. Just based on those base stats you threw out, I just cannot imagine them resorting to encounters. I think they would try and avoid right. encounters, especially based on their intelligence, right? Like, they know they, well, can't, mean, they can't throw down. Uh, but no, as much as these guys uh, would be more dangerous you know say in a pack of them plus an elder brain you know on some big uh, kerfuffle or something uh if you find one singularly um you know they might have their own little like pets along with them you know could be even just humanoids serving them uh of course like intellective hours cranium rats and that sort of thing are, right. are very possible um so they would use them as the muscle sort of thing right and they'll they'll kind of stand back probably issue commands um yeah that makes but, sense um, yeah Cla- classic classic villain yeah but, I mean, as far as, like, uh, condition immunities, like, damage immunities, damage resistance, they have nothing. Absolutely none. Uh, all moot. Uh, they kind of uh, do sad. have magic resistance as an ability. Oh, so, you know, they're, they're basically getting advantage on spells and magical effects. So that's pretty big. Um, and then it's, they do have a small amount of innate spell casting as well. Yeah. I think I'd just give them the Rakshasa ability where they're just straight up immune to spells lower than a particular level. Uh, uh, or or like be... anything from the charm school, you know? Right. Um, I can Sorry, tell you right I'll, now. I'll save that for homebrew. 
Yeah, actually, good point, because I had, I had a counterpoint. I'll, we'll save that as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so they have a bit of innate spellcasting, so it's all psionics-related, um, intelligence modifier, uh, and then DC 15 for spell saves. Uh, at will, they can do detect thoughts or levitate, uh, which okay. falls straight in line with you know, everything they do. And then once per day, they can cast Dominate Monster or Plane yes. Shift on themselves only. So... Uh, there's your there's your in for having a, something else alongside them if you have to uh, get through an encounter. Love Dominic um, Monster. Yeah, and I know levitate. Uh, there are some limitations to it, but I believe they can they can float as high as twenty feet up for a yeah, while. Yeah, it seems to be mostly just like a flavor spell, even though it's cool. Yeah, yeah, and it is at will. So uh, I mean, I, I I'm pretty sure it's a concentration spell. So you could hit them kind of effectively, knock them down, but they could just quickly just do it up again if they wanted. Um, but I don't think it would be a super advantageous uh, thing for them to try and do a second time after they failed. No. Uh, my guess uh, is they would get straight into combat, um, and, and uh, they do have uh, a bit of a melee action here. Oh, yeah? Well, they, they basically use their, their tentacles. Their tentacles are the more powerful part of their body <laughs> on their face. Yeah. They come up at you, and they just start whipping you with their tentacles. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it, it honestly does get dangerous. There's, there's a, it's, it's, uh, it has to go through a couple motions here, but they can be extremely deadly if they get in uh, close. Okay, cool. So, a couple of fail states? Yeah, there are a couple fail safes so that you don't you don't get outright killed, but uh, but you can also get outright killed if you fail them. So basically, they will attack with their tentacles plus seven to hit. Does two d ten plus four psychic damage. Um, you're not going to see a lot of resistances to that, so it's not you're not likely to be mitigating uh, psychic damage. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to hit pretty pretty decently. Uh, and if the target is medium or smaller, which uh, is most PCs, uh, you are instantly grappled. If this, uh, it's, they successfully hit you, I really and like that. yeah, the escape DC is fifteen, so not I a gimme. That. Yeah, not a gimme. And here's here's the kicker: when grappled, you must also make an intelligence saving throw. Uh, also, DC is fifteen, and if you don't, you're stunned until the grapple ends. So, okay, if There's you fail that, there. you can't try to break your own grapple. Essentially, right. And then from there, you are considered grappled and incapacitated, which is a prerequisite for their next ability called Extract Brain. Now, even though you're grappled and incapacitated, they still have to roll to hit you. So this is sort of your, your fail-safe here, um, something that's going to protect you. But if they do manage to hit you, uh, again with a plus 7, it does 10d10 psychic damage. Oh. And the really major part of this is that if that 10d10 psychic damage through this extract brain ability reduces you to zero hit points you instantly die no death saving throws pulls your brain out eats it done yeah that's pretty common for 5e i mean we'll mm. we'll we're definitely going to be talking about that in homebrew i'll tell you right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so you know it's not again it's not not a super gimme they gotta hit you and then you're grappled you gotta fail a saving throw and then the next turn, they're going to hit you again. Yeah. And, I mean, then, and then that damage, damage has to bring you to zero. Pretty, uh, well, it, it might. Um, it might. It could very well. 55 yeah. is you know, the average damage on that. And that's mm-hmm. quite, a, quite a lot for a level seven character. For sure. Yeah. And like, especially you're, if, if you're, you've already taken that, you know, a 2d10 plus four. So, yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at you're looking at a creature that's not not inclined to get in the melee, but when it does, despite the fact that it's it's not very for, uh, uh, 
not really full of fortitude or whatever. Uh, they've only got 71 hit points themselves. AC 15. We kind of uh, glossed right. over that part, but um, so they're not hard to hit, and they you know they'll go down pretty quick. Uh, but they're going to do the same to you, more or less, right? Yeah. So between those two, in two rounds, you're essentially doing you know on on average 60, 70, 70 uh, damage, which is pretty fucking big for a seventh level character. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, they also have a, this is this is a good one too. I, I I always forget this. We've talked about it before. What's the recharge rule? You roll you a d six at the beginning of your turn, and if you roll okay. that number, it recharges. Okay. So it's got re, they have a, a move called Mind Blast, and it's recharge five six. Okay. So if it lands on a five or a six, it's recharged. Yep. Is that correct? That's the way that I understand it to recharge. That's okay. the way it works in fourth edition and Pathfinder, and I don't right. think they would have changed it for five e. Gotcha. And you, you said it's the start of your turn. Yes. Okay. So the meaning, if the, you land on the five or the six, then you get to use it that turn. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so mind blast is a sixty foot cone, which is nothing to scoff at. <laughs> no, Intelligence that's saving throw. Fucking huge. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever, don't. We've ever seen a cone for sixty feet. Uh, it's it's insane. Yeah. And I always forget when I when I'm playing and it's like oh it's it's a twenty foot cube and like a cool and like you know the DM puts it up on the screen like oh my god that's big that's so <laughs> like, big you just underestimated every time right and sixty foot cone that's crazy um so it's a DC fifteen intelligence saving throw so fifteen's the common uh, common DC here across the board right and then um, on a failure you take four D eight plus four psychic damage and are stunned for one full minute <laughs> holy um, fuck but repeating the saving throw at the end of of each turn uh so a chance to break it but they can basically blast this at a whole party you know most of the time you're not in, in like massive quarters so it's it's you know if they're in the right position they could blast the whole party completely stun you walk up attack have a h- really high chance of hitting you i don't think it's an auto hit but it's definitely advantage if you're stunned and you're grappled you're gonna make another intelligence saving throw i'm not sure uh, if stunned gives you a, a, a reduction to that or not and then boom 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 you could be pretty quickly your brain you, you don't out. make the the grapple save on that turn you you make the grapple save when you could escape and you can't you can't escape a grapple if you're stunned right yeah no i i mean like yeah they're, they have to solve that that chance to hit you uh so you're, yeah it's not about the grapple escape it's you know you're just i think you, you have disadvantage um against the intel maybe oh, oh i see what you're saying i think he has advantage on his attack is what i try probably meant to say yeah what i'm saying is i don't i don't even think you need to do that original attack you can just remove right to the extract brain um, well, see, that's that's what I'm not sure. Does stunned auto succeed in attack? Are you? No, I mean you still have to roll right. that that to hit, right. which I think is a hundred percent why that to hit is there. Oh, um, you're saying that uh, the intelligence saving throw from the grappled is is negated from there? Uh, or yeah, because no, I'm because, saying so, uh, so. Like, uh, if if we look at this in order, that first attack is the tentacles where you grapple them mm-hmm. and then they make the int save. The second one yeah. is the extract brain. I'm saying if you're mind blasted, you might just be able to move right to extract brain. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. Um, well, no, because extra, extract brain explicitly says you have to be incapacitated and grappled. Yeah, but you could just grapple a stunned creature. I don't understand why that wouldn't just be a free action. They would. They would be. They, they would definitely be mechanically separate actions. A, grap, a grapple check is is a, a special melee attack, essentially. It yeah, but you can't a, contest a, a grapple if you're stunned. Is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, but it would still be a, a, a standard action to to do it, regardless of, of contest. I don't think no, of so, course you, you could rule it that way, but but I think mechanically that that's how it would function. That's fair. I don't really understand how like those 
conditions work in 5e to be fair hmm. um i, yeah, I would conditions just are a bit vague that. yeah they're not really they're not really um fleshed out not not like pathfinder or Starfinder, that's for sure right yeah um, uh, but i love that mind blast that's fantastic yeah it's it's a beast right so yeah regardless I mean, this, even if we you didn't do it the, the path you were thinking it's still a, a quick way to death you know or mm-hmm. potentially anyway yeah these guys can um, do some damage uh, I mean, I don't say this often, but I think seven might be an underrated um, CR for this creature. Mm-hmm. I think they might actually be closer to eight or nine. Right. Um, it, it, honestly, just I to like, they don't really have anything else is the thing too, right? They don't have any. They have any spellcasting, but they don't have any offensive ones. Yeah, um, I mean, this no, is what I, they have. I, I, the, <laughs> yes, that is correct. Mm-hmm. But and they any, not any good DM to want is going to give them some good, you know, psionic innate spellcasting. Right. Uh, um, which does bring us to a, a variant that's listed as well. Uh, we touched on it briefly, uh, the Mindflayer Arcanist. So a Mindflayer that's, you know, the, the sort of deviant, the, the one that's frowned upon culturally, and they, they end up uh, learning some arcane magic, which Mindflayers despise, right? right? And um, there's not really much to it. Uh, the CR technically does go up to eight. And then so all of the stats and, and everything is the exact same. Uh, with the exception, they also acquire spellcasting. Um, yeah. Chance to hit is plus seven. DC is still 15. You're a te- they're a 10th level spellcaster. And then there's a long list of you know cantrips through 5th uh, level spells that they can is cast. Is there anything good on there? Um, uh, not that good. <laughs> anything else? I mean, they do, they, do get some, they do get some range attacks, uh, which I think is probably the, the key point of it. Um, uh, they get Ray of Enfeeblement, Lightning Bolt. Uh, I can't remember if Wall of Force. I think Wall of Force is an attacking one. Um, at least knock you back, I think. But um, otherwise, it's a lot of uh, very thematic stuff like confusion, uh, telekinesis, invisibility, clairvoyance, right. uh, some defensive stuff like shield and blur, that sort of thing. Yeah, it doesn't really do it for me. Mm, um, yeah, I mean I they've got know. shocking grasp, but all I can think is when the hell would they ever bother using shocking grasp if they could actually try and extract your brain? The o- the only thing would be that if they, if they land it, then you know you can't make your reactions. So if they're trying to escape, you know, boom, shocking grasp. Maybe they can avoid that attack of opportunity and move on. Yeah, um, but, uh, you uh, just just so the listeners are clear, shocking grasp is the single best cantrip bar none. <laughs> One hundred percent. It's it, it's just dumb to not have it. It's, In, it's encounter insane. this fully endorses shocking grass. <laughs> fully, <laughs> absolutely. My artificer has had it for almost the entire time. Um, I have never played a character who can take it, but if I do, they will. <laughs> Rest assured, my upcoming wizard is going to have shocking grasp if he can. I'm pretty sure he can. Yeah, for sure you can. Uh, I <laughs> I don't really understand wizards in five e either. Um, mm. Like I don't understand why you would need to take a spell discipline when you can take other spells outside of that discipline. So I'm sure uh, well, wizards yeah, can take shocking. Grass. Yeah, you take a discipline because you you gain um, bonuses uh, surrounding the, any spell you cast in that discipline. Essentially, yeah. Um, I, I mean, like the first the one is pretty you mundane. Couldn't. You get like half cost on uh, scribing a scroll but uh, I'm actually in this upcoming one 
I'm doing the Order of Scribes, which is Unearthed Arcana right now, and it actually just allows me to do any of the schools of magic, uh, which seems powerful by comparison, but realistically, it just, I think, makes the other ones just seem kind of dumb. So, <laughs> I, in, in my experience in role-playing games, uh, sorry, in, in my very limited experience in fantasy role-playing games, yeah. less always seems to be more when it comes to classes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I yeah. is fine. I don't understand why you do that. It seems like it's a CR8 already. Mhm. Um but it's yeah. fine, you know. It's Shield fine. is a good it's spell. Yeah. Know, telekinesis <laughs> is a good spell. I can't really speak for a wall of force or It's got dancing lights. Does that do it for you? <laughs> um not really. I imagine they we didn't cover it, but I imagine they have some sort of dark vision. <laughs> Well, they do. They do have dark vision, 120 feet. Um, yeah, I don't know why you would need that yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other uh, the other things we didn't cover were languages, deep speech, and undercommon, which I think we just kind of talked about earlier. Anyway, we did. Yeah, uh, we touched on and those. Then, yeah. yeah, and then their telepathy does reach 120 feet as well, and they only speak right. telepathic. Actually, that's not true. I think they can speak audibly, but they prefer to speak telepathically. So it would be pretty rare to hear them talk. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, it works. It works for me. They're they're fine. Mm-hmm. They're they're good creatures. Yeah. Again, I think C- CR seven's a little low. Um, I think that's really only yeah. seems to be reflected in their their DC, the DC fifteen, mm-hmm. which is, as far as I'm concerned, anything between ten and and you know fifteen as a middle of the road DC. Yeah, like by the time you're level seven, you know you're gonna have plus two or plus three year. Oh. Yeah, I mean, a, a dip, your highest is, is going to be, you know, uh, easily uh, uh, up to a plus eight. Right. And so. if you've got a paladin in the group, like, why even bother? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, uh, I think I think you're right. I think the DC reflects the CR and, uh, and, the, and the, uh, the sort of grounding rules, of, you know, the, the sort of various chances you have or the, the amount of things you have to fail before yeah. you're... Actually, uh, permanently dead really fast is reflecting there as well. It's not not well, a gimme for the mind flare, but it's not far off. Pretty par for the course, you know. Yeah, like, uh, if, if, it's not hard to kill players in five e, but they're really <laughs> trying to make sure that it, you know it, it. You go through the motions to get there. Like five e yeah. really seems to want to make it fair, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually one of my gripes with the system. But um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, we'll talk about homebrew now because one of the more obvious things that you, you would think, like, or maybe the one more quick go-to things would be like, oh, well, I'll increase that DC or or I'll create an auto-fail in there or whatever, and that'll make it more, more difficult. But that's not necessarily more difficult. It's just a faster route to an instant death, which can, you know, take away fun. Right. Um, yeah. So you got to be careful about that. Well, you know how I feel about player death is, is I encourage yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sure do. <laughs> so, uh, as as a GM who um, appreciates what I want to call realism in their game, um, mm-hmm. e- even though yeah. that that's definitely not the word for a mythological fantasy game. No, I know, um, but I know what you mean because I, I know you. I, I like the yeah. idea of having a, a, a re- realistic foundation at the very least. Yeah, exactly. And I I believe that death is swift and unforgiving. If you decide <laughs> sure, you're going to yeah. go up against something, if you choose the life of an adventurer, I believe the survival rate should be low. Mm-hmm. Um, it shouldn't be zero, but right, it, it yeah. should be pretty fucking low. Like there's mm-hmm. there's absolutely nothing. You know, as soon as you hit level one, you're above a regular human being. Right, and that that's you know just rules is written. Yeah. So 
if you're taking, a, if you've made it to seventh level, you are seven times a normal human being, right? So I think you know death could easily be reflected in that. Yeah, I'm for sure. Saying, Considering how many, like, how, look at how many PCs there are, how many classes are available. In the, they're only for PCs, not even for NPCs. Yeah. And then look at all the plethora of monsters and creatures. Those are all, you know, also, you know, up to, like, including Mind Flayer here, is seven times a, a, a human. Uh, you know, so why, why aren't they just as deadly? Or why the, the potential for them being just as deadly as a, yeah. uh, as a PC should definitely be there. Yeah, I agree. And, and as a lifelong DM myself, um, I can tell you that a mind flare up against a level seven party with a, a DC fifteen int save is going to last a little bit longer than I would normally think it would because mm-hmm. intelligence is not a saving throw that most melee characters have proficiency right. in. Mm-hmm. So if this goes up against the fighter whose you know proficiency saves are probably strength and con, I would imagine um, because like, I don't yeah. remember off the top of my head. This intelligence saving throw could be very difficult for them. Absolutely. So I, I, Absolutely I, I, as much as I would love to raise this DCU to 16 or 17, I think it's really accurately um, specced out for a challenge 7 creature. Yeah. I would, however, take away the attack roll on the extract brain. I think that that's just hot garbage. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is a strange one. <laughs> it doesn't... So, it doesn't make sense. You've got them grappled. They're incapacitated. Right. Why do you have to roll to hit? It's definitely a uh, let's make sure the player doesn't die part. Yeah, so it's, it's another fail state. So we're looking at tentacles. Yeah. You've got your attack. You, you roll your damage, which averages 15, max is 24. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have, have to fail a DC 15 intelligence saving throw. So that's two rolls. Um, well, essentially three rolls that you need to make in order for this to even move on to the second stage, which I think three fail states is enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, extract brain, you then have to roll an attack roll, so that's the fourth fail state, and then you have to roll damage, which is your fifth fail state. And that damage mm-hmm. on top of that, you know, on top of having to survive a full goddamn round in combat against a party of four, on average, level seven characters, which yeah. isn't, you know, at 71 HP, 15 AC, it's not going to take very fucking long to knock down. So you've, you've got to stack these guys up. But mm-hmm. if you take away that attack roll, you still only got, you know, let's say a 50% chance of killing this creature because that 2d10 plus 4 and that 10d10 has to take them to zero. 70 damage mm-hmm. against a fighter at level 7, you know, it might do it, but it's probably yeah. not going to. Yeah. You know, with that boost to con and with, you know, what does a fighter have? A D- D10 strength die? Uh, something like that, yeah. So, you know, on average, you know, you max plus your con at first level. So you, you're already sitting at 11. And then, you know, on average, you're going to do another 70 on top of that. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're you're not hurting. Yeah. So the idea that no, a I mean, mind flare could take a creature down to zero in two attack rolls is possible and i don't i don't think it's yeah i don't think it's outside but those are two middle of the road rolls plus an Mm -hmm. intelligence save so i think that's enough for me i I don't think that second attack on the extract brain needs to happen i don't think i would ever be able to kill anybody in any party i've ever run on two hits from max hp with you know the (laughs) tentacles yeah yeah uh, again, these things these things are definitely coming alongside something else, most likely. And I, I mean, it's 
stands to reason that if a party were to encounter a mind flare, that especially if they were a bit lower, but they happen to come across one, their first instinct should be to, you know, like, what the hell is that? Let, let me see if I know, roll a check. And then, then the second one would be like, let's avoid this thing, because that's what this thing's also thinking. I want to avoid these guys. Yeah, this you know, seems they to be a They want to get back to the colony, or they want to make sure they survive and help, you know, continue to be uh, a part of the colony and helpful and whatnot. So, um yeah, they're not they're not looking to go on a suicide mission by any means, right? And For then, sure. you know, players should feel cautious about going up against one of these. Um, even if the mechanics don't reflect that they they should they should feel a certain fear, I think. I honestly think can, the mechanics you know. do reflect this. Like I truly mm-hmm. believe that this is a deadly yeah. creature. I just think <laughs> I think wizards yeah. intentionally nerfed it with that extra attack. Yeah. That's that's my only problem with this is yeah. like I really do think that this is a this is going to be a dangerous creature even on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe not on its own. Like it may, yeah. maybe if you gave it heavier armor, but mm-hmm. like without knocking that AC up to f- sixteen, even seventeen, this is not a dangerous creature on its own. Yeah, its attacks are dangerous, but like you said, it it doesn't want to fight. Doesn't want to fight. It's going to go down quick itself. Yeah. It better have quick. something dominated with that dominate monster spell <laughs> ready to go. And it, it better, if it doesn't manage to get you in those two attacks, it better hope it, it manages to survive and maintain that grapple. Otherwise, you can, that stun will break. Right. And uh, that's, so, that's only one player, too, right? Like, yeah, there's, right. there's no way that this single creature could lead to a TPK, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, if I you're mean, out there, I think the first encounter would be like, yeah, well, we'd love to Please. hear that. Oh, God, we want to hear about that so <laughs> bad. We will have you that. on. We'll, we'll interview you over Discord, and we'll make it a Patreon-exclusive <laughs> episode. But if you've tpk with a single Mind Flare, I need that story in my life. <laughs> yeah, it'd be so good. Yeah. I, mean, I, I imagine that a, a, a surprise encounter with a Mind Flare would just result in it mind-blasting and, and pissing off. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see it happening other way unless you know one of the PCs is monstrous, which right. in which case you could have a lot of fun with this character. You know, if there's <laughs> yeah, a bugbear yeah. in the party or a hobgoblin or whatever. <laughs> you know, so you good. you give them yeah. invisibility for a, a while there, a scroll of invisibility, and you know they, they <laughs> yeah. just blink out of invisibility, mind blast, dominate monster, <laughs> and fuck off. Like, and then yeah. plane shift. Like, I'm into that. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Uh, I think I so uh, I think there are two very particular things missing um, from Mindflare. One is like a straight obvious missing mechanic, and it is a weakness. Uh, they should have sunlight sensitivity. Not that you're likely to find them in the sunlight, but that is 100% in the lore. Like bright light of any kind is like borderline painful for them. Right. So. Okay. They're completely missing that. I don't. I have no idea why. They, like, you would almost be like, "Oh well, it's no point in having the stat block." You know, that's something that we kind of come across with wizards all the time. It's like, like, oh, that kind of doesn't just just doesn't need to be there because it's not very likely. But you know, put it in there just to play it safe. In this case, they seem to have glossed over that completely. Yeah, uh, and you're, you're it, right. They did. It's weird. Yeah, I, I don't know why they don't have it. <laughs> um, they got dark vision, but they don't have the sunlight sensitivity. The other thing I wish they had, and this one's a little more contextual i'm not sure how i would end up doing it it might be uh maybe involved in a legendary action but i I don't know i'll get your opinion on it um in the lore the they say that when they eat a brain it is you know they borderline on on like they basically have a euphoric moment and uh it's the closest they come to happiness 
uh, but they never really are able to experience positive uh, emotions or, or actual happiness. Um, and here they have mechanics for extracting a brain. And I, I kind of feel like it should do something to them for a short amount of time. Um, maybe, maybe even to start, like, you know, for one round, uh, they are more exposed, easier to hit, easier to take down. Um, because they are lost in a moment. But when they kind of snap back to, maybe they've got an extra vigor and that's offset. That we- that moment of weakness is offset by, you know, a really extra powerful something. Uh, I don't know what those are. I didn't really uh, take the time to dive into it, but I-, I-, I think it would be cool to have that reflected mechanically somehow. Yeah, I don't even know how you do that. So, you know, you, you kill this PC and you're stunned for one round and then you've got Barbarian's Rage? Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's clean mechanically. Even, honestly, just just an, you restore some HP would be simple enough, right? Um, something to like reinv- they just get a little bit reinvigorated, or they gain temporary HP. Uh, will, will be a, a better one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like you know, the temporary HP. I, I don't yeah. feel like it's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, temporary HP, yeah, maybe an extra advantage on their next or, hit. Yeah, mind blast is automatically recharged. Yeah, you know? I like that. Yeah, yeah, mind blast is auto yeah. recharged, or you know, advantage on their next attack. I, I like that. Yeah, um, that, that's so. clean to me. Um, yeah. The the problem with them having to take like a round off is that the action economy gets wildly out of whack, and they will oh, not yeah. make it. Like it's yeah, action economy um, is so so important in five e. Um, sh- for sure. Matt, Matt Kovler has a great video on it. And it's the second you start to lose those actions, this shit goes sideways <laughs> real quick. Like, oh, yeah. These creatures yeah. don't even have multi-attack, which I guess is fair because you probably shouldn't be able to outright kill a PC yeah. in one turn. But mm-hmm. I mean, it could, it could be something like a massive temp HP boost at the same time as being stunned. So, uh, of course, the, the, the PCs don't know how much, but, like, you know, they see it's stunned. It's not moving for a moment. It's, like, you know, doing something weird, and they're like, now's our time. But maybe that, maybe that temp HP is, like, equal to their HP. So, yeah, they get one full round, but, like, what are the likely, what's the likelihood they're going to go through their full HP in one full round? I mean, it might be high enough, but it might not. Um, it's, it's and it could just enough. be an unnerving moment for the for the for the PCs. It'd be like, um, man, this guy is not taking our hits. Maybe also also grant him, uh, you know, resistance to like physical damage or something too. Right. Um, I, I like that. I, I really I really do like that. Um, so, ex- brains extracted, stunned for one round. But during that round, you go back up to your max HP, and you have um, DR against non magical. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's Basically. clean. I think I think yeah. we just made a better creature. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I would go back case. up to max HP. I think I would very specifically tag on like uh, temp HP, and I might even do the roll instead of doing the flat seventy-one. Uh, I would roll like thirteen d eight. <laughs> but it's also so unlikely this moment's going to happen. Uh, I feel like. Um, yeah, but I don't. That's that's just not how I work. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't live my life by you know this probably isn't going to happen. I live my life right. by this is going to happen. <laughs> this As is happen, so I got to do all this work. Yeah, closet. Yeah. So instead <laughs> of totally having makes to do sense, that yeah. work, I'd <laughs> yeah. rather just have it ready to go. It's like I don't know. just fair. back to max HP. <laughs> that's that's cleaner to me. It's Done faster. and dusted. Yeah. Because <laughs> like enough. you said, you're only going to have to do this once in a blue moon. But when you have to do it. Mm. Are you gonna pull out thirteen D eight and fucking go for yeah. it? Like, 
In the middle of combat? Combat's hard enough already. So, I mean, to, to be honest, like, I've, I've never used Mind Flayer. Uh, I don't... I think I would, uh, you know, without question, add the sunlight sensitivity. Not a difficult thing to, to, to run with. Um, I wouldn't add this extra homebrew until I'd once already once uh, used a Mind Flayer. Tested I them out, I think. never used a creature and not homebrewed it a little bit, so I would absolutely yeah. add this homebrew <laughs> immediately. Um, yeah. I, changed I, I, w- I would test its waters before I changed, really altered anything. I would just, I would just definitely add that sunlight sensitivity. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when are you going to encounter this mind flare in the sunlight? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, rarely, but I, I would imagine let's say like a mind flare arcanist, you're more likely because they they've broken away, and I mean, they're not going to be looking forward to being in the sun, but maybe I, they're definitely going to be farther away from the colony, and you know, maybe not nearly as deep in the underdark or something. That's fair, uh, and I, I reserve my right to change this opinion, but I don't think I'll ever use a mind flare arcanist. <laughs> yeah, no, I probably wouldn't either. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't mean, see, I don't see any benefit to it whatsoever. I honestly, what I, I, I would, but I would just like strip this whole list down, and I would be like, okay, he basically gets the lightning bolt, and the raven fielding tries to stay back and, and fire and chuck and grasp, and like maybe invisibility, and just call, just call it there, you know, just like yeah, if he gets you, some ranged ability. That's it. Just yeah. give him some ranged stuff, and maybe even just like honestly, just add another element to, or a different attack like mind blast that like you can just do more often, just so psychic damage, just. You know, I, I wouldn't even go that far. Like, Super simple. I, I would take the Arcanist and you know keep the challenge rating, but I would just strip mm. some of these spells. First of all, if you're a GM, oh, fuck. First of all, if you're a DM who uses the spells as listed in the player's handbook, I want to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> if, if you sit there every round and look through that spell list, I need to know who you are. Uh, and then we need uh, to uh, kill you. Well, I mean, no. I, I would like to have a conversation with you because I, I want to know what you're doing. It um, would all be a distraction. I, I don't sneaking up on you. I don't understand <laughs> at all why anyone would bother to do that. Yeah, um, I would just take lightning bolt and reskin it so that it's you know uh, psionic damage, you know, mind thrust. Right, and then I would just now, give them that as a spell. Yeah, Lo- I mean, lore wise, the idea is that the Arcanist is like supposed to have broken away from the psionics part a little bit. And that's sort of the purpose. They, the reason they have magic to be. Yeah. But I mean like just a regular mind flare, like I would just give a regular mind flare, you know, three per day, this mind thrust, which is just a reskin psionic lightning bolt, because I don't think they have enough magic. Um, technically they don't have any magic. We've, we've mm-hmm. been over that. They have psionics, but 5e clearly doesn't want to cover psionics. So, but I mean, there, there is uh, absolutely some, cantrips they could have at will in their innate spellcasting that are that are psychic damage yeah there absolutely sure. is dissonant whispers i think is one yeah but i'm not i'm not gonna fuck around with cantrips like i don't actually maybe that's maybe that's a first level spell but uh, yeah regardless. anyway like if i'm running a seventh level uh, cr7 creature i don't have the time for first level spells like mm-hmm. you are not gonna make it to using three third level spell slots like three per day strip down lightning bolt is fine for me um, mm-hmm. If I feel like four for a day, fuck it. That's my creature. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how often do you have a creature last four rounds in combat, especially mm. with 71 HP? Like, right. Yeah. If they last four rounds, that fourth round should be plane shift, realistically. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and it's only... usually pretty clear when when uh, when you get into a come you got a mind flare and, and they've got some big bulky thing that's coming in at you. Yeah. It's been pretty clear right away who's the boss. You know, this mind flare that gives zero emotional tells and just floats there and kind of doesn't do anything or maybe like invades your mind once in a while where this big beast comes at you. Someone's gonna go kill that guy first. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's not Bane. It's not the best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, I the only reason I can so I've been thinking about it and the only reason I can think of to use a mind flare arcanist is to actually foreshadow that mind flare is going to be a part of this campaign. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, could be a good uh, story story arc. But I feel like maybe we'll touch on later episodes a better way to do that. Mhm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. As we will we will uh, in the in the future be looking at uh more elithid related Monsters, creatures, stat blocks, and that sort of thing. I'm so excited. I've never used any elithids <laughs> except for Neither, our, yeah. our next episode. I've used I've used one from our next episode. Um, <laughs> it's Oblex. Our next episode it's is Oblex. Oblex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> next episode will be Oblex, everybody. And then we and will I, dive into... Uh, uh, we'll cha- we're going to change up after that one, uh, change up our format just a little bit for a couple episodes and, and just really uh, get these elithids covered and, and talk about them. Yeah, uh, who knows? Who knows what, how our minds might change? You know, coming back to mind flares, even. Yeah, they, I mean, these creatures run deep, so we'll uh, mm. bear with us for a few weeks here. Yeah, right, yeah. Up, right up until October, I think. Yeah, it's gonna uh, be a be a good ride. With that said, you got anything else for today? I do not. I think we're gonna call it there. Okay, it's been so a, been a big, long, a good long one. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it has been a huge episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm so tired. <laughs> so a big thank you to at General Ham Solo on Twitter and Instagram. He is our Patreon subscriber who requested Mind Flayers. He did not realize how big of a job this is going to be for us, and it turned into <laughs> four to six episodes. Uh, so um, it's going to be somewhere in there, yeah. <laughs> if you want a little bit more history on the Mind Flayers, feel free to find us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash encounterpod. We have changed all of our social links. <laughs> Uh, to try and streamline them for you the listeners Uh, if you want to talk about how we streamline them badly you can find me on twitter at encounterpod you can find freeman on instagram at encounter.pod or you can yell at the both of us together on facebook at facebook.com backslash encounterpod or if that's not your thing and you want to do it privately and you want to make sure both of us see it you can send us an email at info at encounterthis.ca or find us at our home on our web at encounter.ca or find us on our home on the web at encounterthis.ca. I am hammered, bro. <laughs> like, just straight hammered. This episode's been like three hours. You you deserve it. <laughs> July was a very long month for me. And August, a couple of strange, but yeah. Yeah, right? August is getting better. Uh, oh, all right. So. Well, thanks for listening, creatures. Reach out to us, and we will talk more elithids uh, coming up in the in the coming weeks. Yeah, I can't wait. We're we're doing Oblex next, and I'm I'm fucking pumped for it. They're <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I can't wait. All right, see you guys. All right, thanks, creatures. Stay classy. <laughs>